Hi, this is Chad and Mark with I Want to Know. Uh, we have a guest with us today, Jody Giles-Teb. Is that okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, she's a blogger from here in Airdrie. Um, we've been reading her blog for a little while and uh, just thought we'd bring her on and talk to her about life. Thanks for having me. Cool, cool. So I think reading your blog, uh, the one thing I really find is that you're about self-growth. You're looking for any opportunity to change your life, grow your life. Absolutely. Yep. So tell us why. Um, So I got married really young and uh, we went through some rough times. We... um, didn't have a lot of money and I never could understand why. And I always knew that, um, whatever, whatever's wrong on on the inside is manifested on the outside. And so that started my personal growth journey, just trying to figure out why our life was going in the opposite direction that it seemed like it should be. And we weren't really living the life that I thought that we should be. And so I started diving in, trying to fix myself, trying to fix everything around me. And Mm -hmm. as it turned out, I fixed myself enough that, um, we didn't stay connected. Um, me and my husband didn't stay connected. We ended up separating, but I stayed on the journey and, um, I, it's, it's one of the most fulfilling things I think that I have ever dove into as far as, uh, the peace it's brought me and the change in myself and the maturity and the new people I connect with as I heal all those childhood wounds. And yeah, it's just, I just, for me, it's, it's a journey and I love, loved every minute. Awesome. What are some of your, your resources that you're using to, to, to grow yourself? Do you have like a psychologist or a group of books or? Uh, I will take lessons from anywhere. So nice. um, for me, it started out with just difficult relationships and trying to figure out why those were even in my life and what was happening. And then um, trying to figure out why why how money wasn't working the way that it seemed like it should be working. And then from there... Um, from there, I after we separated, I started just writing, um, trying to find sort of my voice in the world and to show up and to be seen. And the writing has been so cathartic. And I ended up taking a marketing course from Seth Godin, actually. And through there, it's opened up a whole new branch of um, personal self-discovery for me, trying to understand marketing and culture and other people, how they operate, and being able to see it in myself before I can actually see it in someone else has sort of become what I've, I, I just have to do that. I can't see what's happening in you if I don't understand it in me first. Sorry, so. who was the author or who was the person you took the course from? Seth Godin. Seth Godin. Why do I know that name? You don't I know write him? about him lots in my blogs. Okay. <laughs> Very cool. And what's, uh, so he does marketing, sales, that kind of stuff? He's a marketing guru. Um, he also, he does a, p- a podcast also called Akimbo and it's based on culture and uh, he's written... I don't know, 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 books or something like an, a ridiculous amount of books. And, wow. um, yeah, that's a crazy amount of books. It is a crazy amount um, of books. Kimbo, K-I-M-B-O. A-K-I-M-B-O, Akimbo. Akimbo. Mm-hmm. Cool. I'll have to look that up. Yeah, I find it super enjoyable actually. I, uh, <clears throat> since we watch a lot of uh, Joe Rogan experience and he's really about, uh, self growth and mostly you know, physical or, or nutritionally, but he also has a lot of psychologists on his show as well. And mm-hmm. one of them is Dr. Jordan Peterson, who's just recently uh, released a book and uh, is coming to Calgary, who I've invited to the podcast, but I don't How's think I'm going to... <laughs> nothing okay. back yet. Not just yet. keeping <laughs> your fingers crossed? <laughs> I keep my fingers crossed. You never know, right? I yeah. uh, We invited a celebrity from the MMA world that we really like, and he said, yeah, so he's coming here In, uh, next invite month. Invite is kind of a... 
more like stalked them yeah. for a little while. <laughs> the court <laughs> and, uh, wouldn't have called it inviting. I don't think. Yeah, I uh, the the final kind of I think what clinched it for me was uh, I said, listen, I know you're a celebrity and we're kind of nobodies, um, and if you came on the podcast, it would 100 percent be just to help out two guys you know nothing about. So we would appreciate it if you did it, but we understand if you wouldn't. He's like, dude, I'm totally in. So I'm like, that's so great. <laughs> I love generous people like that. That's amazing. Yeah, we'll find out. He's uh, he sent me his uh, personal cell phone number and we've been communicating and he's looking for beer and pizza to do it so that's Sweet. a pretty reasonable uh, rider <laughs> to fulfill yours was water so that's super super <laughs> easy so it's there if you want it great thanks but anyways back to jordan peterson um i, I love self-growth stuff and i think this is where our podcast is really leaning is into self-growth and mm. the stuff that i wish i knew when i was 14 or 15 right. and, and didn't uh didn't learn until i was 30 or 35 uh-huh. um and some of it i'm still learning today so uh i actually wonder you know i was thinking about that earlier and i'm like i don't know if you have the life experience to understand yourself enough to go on a s- personal growth journey at 14 or 15 i don't think right. that you know how you respond in situations or what's triggering you or what the reactions are in order to to really like my kids are 16 18 16 and 12 and and i try to keep them totally self aware but i'm not sure they have the life experience to know to understand all the triggers, you know what I mean? Well, yeah, the the, the frontal cortex doesn't finish right. growing till you're 25, and yeah. that's kind of like all your decision-making skill sets come from there. So, yeah, I, I get that, but there's, you know, I've seen stuff that I think my kids get when I talk to them about it. And one of the things Jordan talks about is, um, first, do what's right for you, but not only right for you, but right for you and your family mm-hmm. and the community and the world. Mm-hmm. So really digging into the reasons why you're doing things and... Uh, uh, figuring out, you know, what that process looks like for the individual person. So I really, I really enjoy whenever I get angry or upset or have a challenge. It's like, why is this so difficult for me right now? And then you mm-hmm. have to dig deep inside and go, oh, that's why. Because I'm, you know, I'm angry or I'm tired or I'm hungry or, or you know, my parents did this or you know, an ex girlfriend did that or my wife. Whatever it is, you figure out a reason, then you know what that trigger is in the future, and you can stop doing it. But you have to be self-aware. You have to go, oh, I'm really angry or I'm really sad or I'm really depressed to be able to, to figure that stuff out. And I don't think people as a whole have that that awareness. I think it's important to catch it when it's happening to you. I've mm-hmm. seen a lot of people that um, something will trigger them and they keep pretending like it's not like it didn't happen. Like I'm not bothered by that because they don't understand why. <laughs> and three yeah. days later, they're still feeling the effects of the culmination of that trigger. Right. And all of a sudden now they literally, it's like so far in the past and they've squished it even three days ago so much has happened since then that they can't figure out. So being aware in the moment, yeah, I yeah. think is a huge key. Yeah. yeah. You kind of need that failure basis to work off of. You need to fail. You need to get mm-hmm. over it yes. before you can accept any advice. And that's probably why a lot of kids, you just need as much, as much as you, going back, you'd say, I wish someone told me this when I was 15. The fact of the matter is you hadn't failed. You hadn't gotten over right. it. You don't appreciate the advice and you don't know what to do with it. Yeah. And you yeah. have the arrogance of youth to think you can still take on. The oh, on top right? of that. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And you really don't know right from wrong. So if your right. your your parent is getting drunk every night, you just go, oh, that's what my parents. That's it's that's life. what it is. Or at least the consequence of right and wrong, right? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You don't know the long term effect of anything, and that's I think. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's a benefit of being young is that you don't understand <laughs> the, the long term. Absolutely. Because <laughs> yeah. you're you're willing to try anything yes. back then, and yeah, yeah. cool. Uh, so uh, tell us more about uh, that the podcast about Seth. Rogan, is that it? Seth Godin. Godin. G-O-D-I-N. 
Um, so his he talks through marketing, I believe. I'm not going to say that I know necessarily his whole entire story, but I'm, I'm getting to know it. Uh, but through marketing, I think he has become to understand culture, to understand how to influence people mm-hmm. through marketing. And so he has he's not talking so much about marketing in uh, the podcast as he is about culture. So he talks about status roles or he talks about our need to be seen. Um, when he doesn't, they come out every Tuesday and I want to say last week's he talked about juggling hmm. and how juggling is... Uh, like actual juggling, actual like juggling. three balls. And right, yeah, but he yeah. used it as a metaphor for life and he talked about how... Um, Juggling is a throw and a catch and a throw and a catch and a throw and a catch. But if you let go of the catch and you don't worry about the catch, you just worry about learning how to throw. Juggling is actually really about learning how to throw. Mm -hmm. And eventually the catch is a consequence of a good throw. And he applied that back to life about how in life so often we're taught about the catch. So it's get good grades or results-based, right? So the catch is the result of a good throw. So in life, there's a lot of results-based. We focus on the results, but we're not actually focusing on the throw. And he said, the more you throw and the less you worry about the catch, the better, right? So that would be his lesson. That's amazing advice. Right? Incredible. So that was like his one podcast was all about that. So last week's was origin stories and how your origin stories affect you. And he talked about his origin story and how, you know, like he brings in like cultural things, but he also brings in like Spider-Man and how his origin story was getting bit by the spider. And and then talks about how that shapes our whole thing, but that we don't have to necessarily follow our origin story if it's not working for us. You know, so it's, it's his podcasts are kind of about neat things like that. He has a really cool mind. He blogs every day also. He was my inspiration to start blogging every day. And uh, his clarity of thought is incredible. Like I search for podcasts just to listen to just him because he answers questions so precisely all the time. You can't throw him off. It's amazing, actually. Yeah. I I think for some people, it's really about that connection with the author, right? Like we connect very well with MMA guys, fighters, athletes. Right. Uh, um, you know, so when they say something, it really digs in deep where, you know, other people is religious or you know, marketing, sure. you know, it has to be a personality. There has to be something in the personality that, that blends together for you to be able to take advice from that person. I think that's totally true. And it actually surprises me because I was never into marketing ever. I've never been, that's not actually, but culture is interesting to me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, marketing, I took that marketing course not actually to learn marketing. I took <laughs> it to learn how Seth Godin does Seth Godin, actually, okay. was why I took that. Because that's, that's what I'm, I'm interested in framework. That's where I, I love framework of a person or a situation or a decision or whatever. And so, yeah, it, but it sat me back on my heels, that marketing seminar, because he teaches. Um, so I had this belief going in that I didn't actually realize was a belief, and it was a firm limiting belief of mine, was that you can't change someone. So if someone... And I think it comes from my marriage because I had done so much change and my husband and I weren't staying on the same path. And so I had firmly believed that you can't change another person. And I sort of left my marriage on that belief. And Seth Godin's whole marketing theory is about changing people. Wow. (laughs) So I was literally on day three of the marketing seminar going, "Uh, he's wrong. (laughs) you can't change people he's wrong and I I thought with that belief I couldn't even move on in the program for probably six weeks until finally I was like I'm gonna lose my money because I'm not gonna finish this class and I messaged Seth Godin personally and I'm like I get that you're teaching that you have to change people but I'm like I can't even hear I know I can't hear you because I have this belief and he talked me right through it which was amazing and um and 
I went to the grocery store one day and I was trying to determine why, because I'm thinking about the marketing and I'm trying to determine why am I buying the shampoo or why am I buying these hot dogs? <laughs> and I'm like... Are you getting duped by the, the label <laughs> right? or where it is on the shelf? Or, yes. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I'm thinking, I'm sitting there thinking, okay, I buy these things because of science, right? So I'm very... Um, health oriented. And so science tells me that I want, you know, all beef hot dogs or that I want shampoo that doesn't have sulfates in it or that I want. And Seth's like, it's a story. It's a marketing story. You don't actually know if there's sulfates in that shampoo. That's just the story that they're telling you. You don't actually know. How are you going to know if there's sulfates in that shampoo? And so literally standing in superstore, I'm like, oh, (laughs) Anyway, so uh, the marketing has kind of been like a side thing, but just the learning that you can actually change people and make change in the world, and which is a huge thing that he stands for in positive change. Yeah. Um, that, that was what the marketing seminar did for me. It totally changed my life by me learning that I could change, make change in the world. I think that's true probably for most of the time that you, you have the ability. I, I do sales for a living, so mm-hmm. I go in and I change people's minds and thought processes on how their building works and building science and stuff like that. So you can in small doses, and some people I think are going to take probably more time than it's worth <laughs> to, to, to make the change. <laughs> so true. Where, uh, you know, if that was true, then everyone would just stay with the first person they dated and they would right. just keep changing each other until they were <laughs> exactly. the person. You know, so how much time do you want to spend trying to change somebody? If they're like way out in left field and nowhere near what you want them to be or need them to be, then then it's probably not worth 10 years of your life trying to make that person a, a different person. Well, that brought me back around again, back to self-awareness and who am I and who am I surrounding my pe- myself with and who is my tribe. And once you get yourself surrounded by the right kind of people, they want to take the journey with you. And yeah. then change becomes easy because it's literally just exchange of information will change you. Yeah. And so, but it took me, it was quite a journey for me to get there. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I grew up most of my life with people believing that you couldn't change, that a tiger never changes its stripes. Uh, yep. And until I was in my... I don't know. I wouldn't say probably in my early 30s, I met some people that saw me differently than most of my friends, but I had moved cities and kind of changed my environment a little bit. So people would just naturally see me differently than the the people I'd kind of grown up with and, you know, partied and drank with and stuff like that. And then from there, I was like, oh, you can change. You don't have to be this vulgar, drunk drywaller anymore. You could be something <laughs> else. And this is actually when I went into sales and ended up dating a, an RN who's still a friend of mine to this day. And uh, she was one of those changing factors in my life because she just didn't see me as that person. And she was clear to say, oh, that's not who you are. Like, you don't want to be that person, do you? And it went, mm-hmm. hmm, do I? Yeah, I do. Or no, I don't, or yeah. whatever it was. And I got to move on from there. So there was a lot of personal growth for me in that particular relationship. And, and like I said, we stayed friends for, I don't know, what is it, 15 years now, 16 years that I've, that I've known her. And she still calls me out anytime I see her. She she knows my wife, loves my wife and my kids. And, and she's like, why are you saying that to your to your wife? <laughs> or to your, and I'm like, I don't know, maybe the old meek's coming back a little bit. But I love it when you know the reason why this person has shown up in your life. Yeah, yeah. So obviously she served that purpose for you. That's amazing. Yeah, she's a, she's a really cool person. I don't know if she knows that she has that effect on people, but uh, she definitely does. Um, yeah, she's, she's a fun person to hang out with. The uh, Back to the, 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 the podcast, uh, Seth Gogan. So mm-hmm. he focuses almost solely on on marketing is, is my guess? Uh, the podcast is focused on culture. Okay. Uh, the, the marketing seminar he does is focused on marketing. And then he also has another, um, he calls it a sprint that's called, um, the alt MBA. 
and he does it over 30 days. And so it's just another thing that he, um, it's kind of an alternative MBA um, thing is what he's tried to uh, create there. I haven't taken that course, but I'm in a mastermind with three, four other people that from the marketing seminar and they've all taken the alt MBA. So I have a pretty good insight into what it is. And he overwhelms them with a ton of information and a ton of projects and they have to get everything done. And he calls it ship work. So that's like, basically you have to finish something and give it out to the world. And I think you have three or four of those a week you have to do. And, uh, the I, written projects or everything. Um, one could be a book report, another one could be a blog post, and another one could be like a little mini course. Another one, and he's just firing them at them, completely overwhelming them. And one of his taglines is, "You have a month to do it, and it's not enough time." We know it's not enough time to do it anyway. <laughs> so his his one of his big theories is on um, shipping and shipping before. So you don't get stuck in perfectionism, yeah. and that you don't get stuck, kind of like you guys doing your podcast, bef- like just going, right? Just doing it and showing yeah. up. And so he's teaching that in the Alt MBA also. So he has different avenues that he's out there. He's a marketing guru, um, but he started as a book packager. And he started, um, he actually was the guy who invented email. Seriously? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's very cool. Permission and permission marketing is what he what he was very famous for, was permission marketing in the beginning. But that's many moons ago now. So Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, um, oh, I lost my train of thought. Oh. I'm just waiting to uh, bring Edward Renee's into the discussion. Yeah, yeah, have at it. <laughs> I'm just, are you familiar with Edward? No. No, he was, uh, he's kind of credited as the father of public relations, so marketing, uh, specifically propaganda. He was kind of the driving force between uh, a lot of the, the beginning of the century's not so pleasant military actions and dealing with the public's opinion. He also uh, brought us uh, cigarettes as, um, what was it, a form of women's rights? Because if women smoked, women were equal, and therefore women should smoke. That wow. was one of his big campaigns. He also invented, uh, like, what was it, like, nine out of ten doctors agree, which is obviously just complete bunk. <laughs> um, but a lot of the a lot of the good that he had to come out of this was teaching people how public relations and uh, as an end marketing affects people. And like you're saying, uh, changing people is 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 very similar to marketing. Seth Godin says that's what we're doing. That's what mar- real marketing is making change. Absolutely. Uh, something unusual though is when you think about changing people in your life as opposed to changing people as a business. Mm-hmm. Is as a business you're fairly detached, whereas as a part of the life you actually become a part of the marketing strategy. Um, that being that in order to, to market to someone, you have to change their environment first before you change them. And if you're a part of that environment, you now become a part of the change that has to happen also. And I think that's why you see a lot of people failing and changing other people is that they're not also willing to change with the environment that has to change for that to happen. Yes. Like a lifestyle, like, are you talking, speaking lifestyle change, I'm assuming that's similar to similar vein, like lifestyle, like, okay, so I, I'm getting pretty metaphoric. So okay. <laughs> it's kind of crossing over all over the place for sure. I'm trying to connect in my brain. I was just trying to make a connection in my brain, but that would, to, in my mind, what you're talking about is like a lifestyle change. So somebody wants to lose weight then you're best to, to change your whole lifestyle, right? To start eating healthy or, or making better choices, sleeping more, whatever the case may be, in order for that to be environment change. For sure. Situate yeah. like a lifestyle where you, you don't have excuses. Excuses are harder yes. to make at the very least. Right. Lifestyle seems so big. So when like you're talking about weight loss or health changes or anything like that, when you say it's a lifestyle change, most people think like, oh, I've got to stop this and stop everything bad and do everything true. good. And yeah, and that, that's a huge one for people to overcome. And, you know, I see lots of these people on Facebook Facebook saying, you know, it's too expensive to buy healthy food because they literally have no idea and they're so afraid to step forward in any little thing. And so what I tell people is just pick one thing. So probably about 
well, 13 years ago when my daughter was uh, born, I just kind of made the decision that people viewed me a certain way when I swore. And, and I, I had a trucker mouth. Like every second word was an F-bomb or a C-bomb or something like that. And, and, and so I said, oh, I'm just going to stop saying the C word. And then a couple months later, I said, I'm going to stop saying the F word. And then I slowly just took those out of theirs. And all of a sudden, my relationships all around me changed. There was more people that were hanging around me that were beneficial, that were um, helping me out and really wanting to uh, be a bigger part of my life. And, and just from a simple change like that. And then I realized that, uh, you know, I have my daughter's 13 now. So we have this discussion, you know, about kids swearing in school and is it okay? Is it not okay? I'm like, they're just words. But know that when you use these words all the time, that they're going to view you a certain way. And then I would tell her the story and how it changed my life. But people have to focus, I think, on the little things and do those things well. So um, for most people, I shouldn't say everybody, you just can't put them all in one bag, but you know, pick one thing in your life that, that is not good and just say, I'm not going to do that anymore. And then pick one thing that is good and add that to your life. Yeah, I love that. That's it kind of comes to the whole culture aspect of, of the marketing. Um, I think, uh, sorry, what were we saying there about the uh, changing your environment um, and the people in it. Uh, uh, the biggest factor, I think, when it comes to, like, you can change your diet, you can change your excuses, but when you change your culture is when the biggest changes happen, and that is the people. And uh, if you're not willing to be a part of that culture change, then you kind of have to accept that you're probably part of the reason this person isn't changing. Um, it's kind of like they say that you can have people that drag you down or bring mm-hmm. you up. Yeah. And if you're trying to change someone for the better and you're one of those people dragging them down, you kind of have to ask yourself how much of this responsibility falls on you versus them. Yeah. And uh, I think that's a huge factor we have to consider when we're, uh, when we're asking for change in ourselves and others. So is it us? Is it somebody else? Would we be better in a different culture? Can we create a different culture? Yeah. For sure. You. And like you're saying, it's like eating healthy. It's too expensive to eat healthy. Well, you're absolutely right. If you don't know how to cook, <laughs> then you're going to be throwing so much food away that's just inedible, yeah, and just garbage food. Tastes whereas, like crap. Whatever. Absolutely. Yeah. If you but if you make friends and all your friends eat nothing but whole foods and cook from scratch and are very conscious about nutrition, it's going to be very easy to fall into that role of also being that type of person. Yeah, I think that. Uh, creating a culture and I had to do that at one point where uh, you know I, I was drinking too much and I just wasn't living the lifestyle so I had to cut off the friends that were drinkers and and just separate myself from them for a short period of time I, I love them they're they're great people um, and they're allowed to live their life the way they want it but I didn't want to be that that person anymore so I needed to create separation for a small period of time and then I was able to get back um, with them when I had control over my situation. And I think that's important that once you get to a spot where you're in a good, a good spot in life where you can understand yourself and why you do things that you should be inviting those people back in and, and showing them that there's a better way that there can be change. Cause I don't think most people believe that, that you can actually change your thought process or how you do things. You know, it's, there's a lot of, um, or I went through, I, I guess it's a bunch of training out there because a lot, I know a lot of people that seem to believe it and I I'm definitely was one of them, that you need to cut all of the negative people out of your life. And I, I, I fully and firmly believe that you are who you spend your time with, right? Jim Ron, you're the average of the five people you spend the most amount of time with. So in that regard, whoever is in your kitchen cabinet group of people, it's very important to keep um, high quality, good people, people who lift you up and help you be better. And, and so I... Uh, this isn't talking about that, but I've learned that that message had me 
almost afraid to be around negative Nellies mm. or afraid to be around people who might bring me down. And it took me quite a bit of processing in order to get back to a space where I was like, these people actually are, are just another challenge, another life challenge, another opportunity for me to grow, another opportunity for me to learn, another opportunity for me to show up with love in a space where love wasn't existing before. And so that's something that um, in the last, I would say probably the last year or so, I've consciously been making an effort to not block or hide myself from the negative Nellies. Like mm-hmm. when they show up to still show up fully myself and and use the situation to learn about myself from. And um, anyways, that's just, as you were saying that, that popped into my head that that the message out there is to be careful who you surround yourself with. But I took it to an extreme that wasn't cool, actually. Yeah, it's. Yeah. It, I think it's super important because that's what actually makes change. That's what actually changes culture mm-hmm. is that if you only hung around with, uh, let's say, Christians and uh, you had no influence on anyone else, well, you're not really... Uh, being a true Christian, right? And if you're about self-improvement, you should be about self-improvement for you, for your family, for your community, for everybody that you that, that you run into is finding a way to leave them in a better condition than when you found them. Yes, yeah. yes, for sure. Now, would that be though, is that a situation where accepting people into your life that perhaps are not the most positive people, would that be an advanced skill though that you would consider is the first baby step cutting people that are going to drag you down so that you have nothing but forward direction to go in. 100% I had to do that first. Yeah. I so, ha- and I had to be in a safe space myself in order to explore that stuff in order to come back strong enough to handle right. the hard stuff. It's like so lifting sure. weights. They're, yes. they're, they're just more weight than you can lift right now. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. Sure. That's great. Yes. There's, uh, yeah, there, there's a lot to say for that. The, the, you know, people with, a, say, an alcoholism or a drug addiction that they know they don't make changes when they hang around with those people. And even after, you know, five, seven years of sobriety, um, they can revert back very, very easily when they get back around that same group, that that culture is so strong. So however long you've done it, that's how long you're the addict or the drunk or the smoker or the, you know, the negative Nelly that, uh, you know, and for some people, that's 30, 40 years right. that you have to, you have to weed that culture out of your brain and and completely change it it's funny because um i'm trying to remember who was just talking about it but they were saying with uh addictions and and i think that all boils down to culture with uh cannabis and psychedelics and mushrooms and and uh, all those that psychologists now that they're allowed to use them mm-hmm. have seen massive changes very very quickly where the brain completely changes the way it fires the way it thinks mm-hmm. and uh, it'd be interesting to see in the next you know five ten years maybe maybe longer probably not they were pretty pretty far advanced now that they're now able to test this stuff and we should see massive, massive changes for our culture. Which would be pretty neat. I, I think it would be amazing. Uh, mm-hmm. Joe Rogan does a joke about uh, he could solve the Middle East problem if they just like took a crop duster full of pot smoke over the <laughs> Middle East and just get everyone baked and they would be <laughs> completely non-aggressive anymore. And Not that all Middle Easterns are aggressive, <laughs> but uh, maybe it's true, maybe it's not. I don't know. It would be funny to... to uh, to challenge the government to do something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's hard. Um, Seth, Seth Godin talks about people like us do things like this and that's within the culture. So um, the people who drink, drink and the people who swear, swear and whatever. So it was interesting. My son and I went into, um, he, I bought him a gun at Canadian Tire and we had to return it. But the only 
plate, the only Canadian tire that had the gun in, while we were exchanging it was in Force Lawn. And so we had to go to Force Did you bring a vest? <laughs> I totally <laughs> didn't because I'm so naive. <laughs> and so is my son. Well, if there's one place you're going to go with a gun and not, <laughs> and, and not worry about right? being naive, it's probably your kid, yeah. It was yeah. just a pellet gun. <laughs> oh, you're not, yeah. you're not fending off the, <laughs> no. the masses there. <laughs> so we go in and it was like literally Canadian Tire and Energy. We were like, we're in there all the time. It's totally safe. We go into the Canadian Tire and Forest Lawn and they've got cameras and they've got a voice recording every three seconds. Leave your bags at the front. You're not allowed to carry your bags through. And then you're at the front customer service trying to return the gun. And they've got like pictures of all of these people that aren't allowed in the store because they steal stuff. And we were a little shell shocked. <laughs> And by the time we got out of there safely and we're driving home, uh, we were talking about the shell shock and why they were doing all of those things. And, and he's like, why do those people don't just, if they're going to steal stuff in Forest Lawn, why do they not just come to Airdrie and steal stuff? Like it'd be so much easier for them to come to Airdrie. And it brought this whole conversation about how hard it is to level up out of where you're at because so the guys from Forest Lawn then move into safe little Airdrie that's maybe a little bit higher status and and they don't know all the social rules and then pretty soon they're being shamed because they maybe park their truck on the lawn thinking that's okay because that's okay in Forest Lawn and an Airdrie you get totally shamed for it and how hard it actually is to make the jump into a higher status um, role than what you've been acclimated for. And so that was super interesting. But actually. then you get to know Airdrie. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, it, it's funny you bring that up because I think this is the, the human problem is that um, nobody wants to grow. So whether you're a, a criminal, you know, there's guys that never leave their neighborhood selling the same pot to the same people every day making a living. Like, well, if you're going to do it, why not be good at it? Like, really, really right? good. Or if you're going to be a thief, why are you stealing a pack of cigarettes or, you know, a compressor from Canadian Tire? It's so ridiculous. Like, be the best thief you can be if you're going to be a thief. Mm-hmm. But that's not the human the human condition that most people, um, and you talk about this uh, at length where it's really easy to stand out in pretty much any industry because there's not a lot of people that put full effort into anything. And it may be getting worse. Um, You know, we we make fun of millennials all the time, but, um, you know, I work with millennials that, that just don't put their full effort in and they, you know, Maybe that's just the individual person, but... I kind of wonder, the whole millennial thing, the more I think about it, it, do we just live in a world where everyone gets a job now? Mm. So anyone who's got anything decent to offer, you're not encountering them. They're moving on up. Right. Into positions where, you know, you now, like, yeah, you get people. Like, we're we're in a a situation where we live in a country where we have to have immigration because our low-end jobs aren't being filled because nobody needs our low-end jobs that lives in this country and that grew up in this country. Yeah. So I kind of wonder if we're just not dealing with a situation where it's not millennials that have a problem. It's just we have so many opportunities for everyone that everyone now has a job. And these are people that you probably would have been homeless or living at their parents until they were 40 back when we were kids. Yeah, and I think it, you're probably right. We shouldn't blame it on a generation that there's... Uh, um, I, I love millennials. Yeah. I genuinely just adore them. Yeah. Actually. I do. I really, really do. I we need crea- to meet your millennials. And we, <laughs> we, we created the world that they're functioning in. Right. So, well, know. and when you think about it, they, they, we grew up in a world where it was like a big deal to get you know, a d- well, for a girl, it was a big deal to get this doll at Christmas time. Like that was a big deal because somebody had to like drive into the city and the doll was expensive and you know, all of those things. But like literally our kids get everything in seconds, no matter what they want, because our world has so much stuff. Like yeah. we are in an abundant world where everything is so accessible. And so we are trying to make kids work for things that 
or like everything comes really easily for them, right? right. They don't understand the the why they need to work for it. Right. It's, it's, right it's there. just right there. Just and even everything's better, easy. We don't understand what we should be asking them to work for. Right. And so that, that's true. That's very true. Yeah. And so they are very purpose driven because they don't have to worry about this. like they live a better life than even we did, yeah. you know, 20 years ago or 30 years ago. And so it's it's just different. It's different for them. And they they are growing up with such great opportunities, like the connection that they can connect worldwide is amazing. And and they don't have to study all the things in school because they have a computer in their pocket all the time. Like they just, they're growing up in a totally different world and we're projecting all of our old cultures. Yes, absolutely onto them. And so I think we just let them lead and we just try to keep up as honestly, I think that's the best thing to do with millennials. I think it's a balance because I have, maybe it's me. I have a tough time just, (laughs) just letting them completely lead. I, uh, um, with my kids in particular, I, I'm really focused on, you know, I, I talk at length with them about my job is to sh- um, show my son how to be a good man and to show my daughter what a good man looks like. And Those then, are timeless. And and I think hopefully they are, that that, mm-hmm. that keeps going. And, and what that means, whether it's, you know, the way I talk to my wife, how I act at work, when I do overtime, how I talk to my bosses, all that kind of stuff is I make sure I instill that in my son and I hold him very accountable for those uh, things that he's not doing as far as where I think he should be. So there's there's an accountability there as parents where we, we can't just let them do what they want to do because uh, if I let my son do what he wanted to do, he'd just never come out of his room. <laughs> he'd be in there playing video games for 16 hours a day and he's at my sister's right now I believe that's what he's doing because he hasn't even texted me yet so I think he was up all night playing video games and that. so I think there's a good part where I sit back and I go oh this is super impressive when he was 10 he wanted to learn coding and he found a program online mm. where he said that that for $80 a year I can do this program so I did a little research and I'm like oh well what they do is they t- they watch all their test scores, and then they have employees for down the road. So they give the program for very cheap. I'm like, yep, yeah, done deal, paid 80 bucks, and now you're off coding. I have no desire to. <laughs> and I just think, like, uh, there's an old um, That 70s Show where Red Green is watching them play video games, and he's like, what are you guys doing? You're rotting your brain. No one will ever buy these stupid things. And then look at where we are now. And so I don't want to have that mentality either where I'm just telling him everything he does is stupid and just go work hard because, I, I don't know, I, I've met so many people that don't work that so hard and have great lives. So I think there's a bit of a balance in there and knowing your kid's personality and knowing when they need guidance or when they look lost is important. And and same with the millennials, the guys we work with. I try to give them advice and sometimes it falls on deaf ears. Sometimes they take it. I had uh, similar video game issues. Uh, I, I shouldn't say issues with my kids. We I don't watch TV personally. I just It just does not hold my attention. And I very rarely watch a movie. So the TV is in my house isn't ever like I'm not modeling that we just come home at night and we sit and watch TV. That's not what I, that's just not what I do. And so, um, for the longest time until my kids were probably, my oldest was probably 10 or 12. We didn't even have a TV in the house. And so, uh, I didn't want the kids that were stuck playing video games because everybody talks about how bad that is. And, um, eventually we, my kids were deep into hockey and we got a TV so they could watch the, playoffs and the junior cup and you so know. you're a big hockey guy or a hockey person then i uh, well <laughs> <laughs> i was when my kids were playing then they quit playing and i quit watching hockey is yeah. actually what happened but anyways um 
We're not sports guys either, You're other not. than fighting. So yeah. Oh, no? Yeah, we're oh. totally on board with you. Okay. I don't get how anyone can sit down and watch hockey for two hours. It's absurd <laughs> to me, but that's just me. So with the video games, I instead of when we did finally get video games, and then we got the TV, and then we got the video games, and so what I, I taught self-awareness, because that's just what I do, and it was like, okay, pay attention when your brain starts to feel mushy. Is your brain, and then if they would play video games, and then literally you'd see them like get lethargic, and they could, you couldn't even get them to do any after anything after. We called that mushy brain. Mm. And so when they started paying attention to that in themselves, it took the fun of the video games away from oh, wow. from them so much. So, I uh, to me self awareness is everything. But um, yeah, that was how I kind of handled the. So it just brought the question. So what's the end goal with all the studying you're doing, listening to Seth, um, challenging yourself, challenging your kids? So what, what, what's the end goal you're trying to reach? So as far as, an, I think it's a journey and it's a life journey. So um, for the end goal, um, I would not say there is an end necessarily, but what am I try, why am I so driven and why am I, um, I, I have a, I, I have, I have dreams. And I want to, I would love to be a speaker. I would love, I'd love to do a TED talk. I have, that's on my, that's on my list of goals is to do a TED talk. Um, I'd like to do some classes and teach other people self-awareness. For me, it brings such inner peace and that is everything, right? I lived in a lot of turmoil. I lived in waking up in the morning with knots in my stomach and anxiety and acne all over my back from just stress. And it was just the difference in the life. To me, it just makes it worth it. I, I don't. I do not do well when I don't feel well. And I don't like that. I think that's true for everybody. And they just don't realize they don't feel well. Possibly. Right? Uh, When I started changing my diet and eating nothing but whole foods, and then you go out and you have a burger at A&W, and you just feel like dog crap for for hours. And you're like, why am I doing this? Or how did I not feel this before? But I think that's true uh, emotionally, spiritually, physically. Most people don't understand the the bad shape that they're in until it's, you know, it's too late or it's very hard to turn around. Yes. You get so far down the path and it's really hard to come back. I quit drinking altogether too, um, just because I didn't like how I felt. And then on my daughter's birthday a couple years ago, I thought, oh, I'll have a glass of wine. Like, it's no big deal. I'm just my daughter's birthday. I'm going to have a glass of wine. I felt crappy for two days. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, it was one glass of wine. And I I just, it's not worth it to me. It's not worth it. I wake up at 5.30 every morning to write a blog. And if I don't have my brain in gear, I can't write my blog. And my whole day's shot. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I just, yeah, it's super important, I think. So are you doing any of this for work right now? Do you do... No, I I have a self-awareness class that I run Okay, and I have, um, my own little tribe of peeps that are amazing and we meet monthly and it's become more of a self-awareness kind of little mastermind group. And we bring, um, so every month we sit and kind of do like a little round table discussion about sort of where we're at in lives and and our lives and maybe what we've learned the last month or how we've progressed or, or how we've changed or what's positive and happening. Um, then we'll do a little meditation and then after that I'll have some sort of exercise that we do that just sort of something for them to think about through the month or something that we're doing right in the moment and uh, then we meet again the next month and it's been really neat. So what's an example of an exercise? Um, So before one of our classes, this is one of my favorites actually, we... I had, we have a little Facebook group that we, we, just a private little Facebook group for just the people in the group. And I had sent out to them, okay, on, we meet on Wednesdays. And I said on Wednesday night, we're going to talk about, um, you're on a ship, you're on a boat, you're by yourself, not by yourself. There's other people, but you're not traveling with family or friends. And I, there's lifeboats, but there's limited amount of lifeboats and you have to fight for all the reasons why you should be on the lifeboat. Mm. And so basically it was just to spark in them 
why, why, what value are you bringing to the world and why, what kind of people should be on the lifeboat? What kind of people? And it just brings in a really interesting conversation. We got a little bit stuck for a while on uh, moral issues, like all the women should be on the boat or all the children should be on the boat or I, you know, do I deserve to be on the boat? Uh, one person brought a really cool perspective. She's like, I'm super athletic. I'm going to swim and I'm going to take turns with another athletic person. We're going to say so that we can double the spot in the boat because that was her her contribution, right? Yeah, She'd yeah. be able to help that way. So that was just one of the weeks. Another week, um, we... Sorry, I, was, I feel like there's got to be one of those uh, psychological... Um, what do they call those? Uh, oh, where they but, ask you a question, and they're like, okay, here are your choices. Pick one, and each one of those choices falls into something? a category. It's a personality type, yeah. Because I'm just thinking, I'm like, well, I'm going to be on the boat because I'm going to make you make let me be on the <laughs> boat. I don't doubt anyone that disobeyed that's me right. about going on and the boat. And then there's a person who's like, well, I'll, I'll just swim next to the boat. I'm like, there's got to be like a personality definition in those well, somewhere. I would say for sure. I know there's been a bunch of studies done um, trying to figure out what people's lines are. So they talked about, you know, if you were uh, on a train bridge, and uh, the train was coming, and the only way you could save it, the, the people from going off the bridge, was you had to push somebody off the bridge. And so you had to physically kill somebody to, to be able to save five people. And could you do it? And I don't remember the it results. It has to be were, a stranger. It had to be a stranger, yeah. yeah. And then they said, okay, well, now all you have to do is in another room, you see what's happening. If you hit the switch, and it almost completely changed 100%, where everyone's like, yeah, I'll flip the switch. And just oh, like wow. that instantly, like, ooh, that's a little bit scary. And, and it kind of leads back to what uh, Jordan says about um, uh, uh, Nazi Germany, where he said, at that time, any one of us in that situation, or most of us in that situation, would have become Nazis. Because mm -hmm. that was the, mm -hmm. the thing that, that the culture made you believe you had to do. Yep. I thought you were going to go to tribalism with that, actually. To what? Tribalism. Tribalism. Oh, yeah. yeah, without that personal connection, you don't have, they're not a member of your tribe. Right. Therefore, they don't mean anything to you. They're I, just a figment outside I, of reality. I think that's a big part of what it is. We, we talked about that on uh, one of the podcasts about what our tribe would look like if we got to design our own tribe. And, and, and that's very much you try to bring in, well, I think one of the things we talked about was trying to bring in the people that had the best skill sets to benefit the entire tribe. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah. There's... Oh, yeah. I, was just, yeah. I think there's, there's a lot of really interesting points that came along with that, like the argument between natural talent and the willingness to never give up yeah. through constant failure. Yeah. But, yeah. You'd mentioned something earlier about goals and dreams. Mm -hmm. um, that's something we've been talking about quite a bit lately and trying to figure out and... I think, I don't know if you agree with me, I'm at the point now that there's goals, there's directions, and there's dreams. Goals being a hard set plan of, I'm going to accomplish this in this time frame, this is how I'm going to do it. Directions being, I'm going to start moving, making actual goals, or not goals, but uh, things that I'm, I'm going to do. I don't really have an end. Work towards. Yeah, I don't have an end figured out, but I'm going to work towards this. And then dreams being, I don't really have any idea how I'm going to accomplish this. I'd really like this to happen Maybe I'll start putting into things that I think would help me achieve this someday, but I'm not really, I'm definitely not set, and I'm barely even going in that direction. Now, what are your thoughts on that? Do you, do you think uh, that falls into your, your line of thinking at all? Uh, yeah, I, I... Are we just kind of like bending terms, <laughs> splitting hairs? <laughs> maybe a little bit. Yeah, yeah that's maybe fair. A little bit. That's fair. Um, I think that it's always, I think progression is one of the most important things for all of us to always feel like we're progressing. So I think the second we feel like we're standing still, we get depressed or we get in a funk or we get stuck and all of a sudden life d isn't as fun anymore. So I think progression is huge and that's what I think the purpose of goals are, um, just to give you something to work towards. But for me... 
usually when you get there, it never looks like how you thought it was going to look anyways. No, no. So to have a defined, this is what I'm going to achieve and this is what I'm going to do for me is a little bit fruitless, other, except for the fact that it's giving you a direction to head towards to make progress. Sure. But it's kind of like climbing a mountain, right? In, in the sure. end, your goal is to get to the top of the mountain and what yeah. you see when you get there, you have an idea, but you don't know for sure. And that's kind of why you're doing it in the first place, right? right? Yes. There was a book that we read uh, by together. Sebastian. Yeah, we sat together. and just read yeah. it together. <laughs> I did nice. the left pages. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sebastian Junger, I think it was, Tribe. And he talks about that at length in the book on how important it is for everybody in the tribe to have a purpose. But, And I think taking it one step further, that whether you're in a tribe or not in a tribe, you need to have purpose. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, there's there's uh, no reason to get up in the morning. And, mm-hmm. and everyone talks about it. Uh, Jordan Peterson does. Joe Rogan, I'm sure Seth even talks about. Uh, purpose, uh, you know, in marketing, you have to have a purpose. You have to have an end goal in what you do, and I think that that's probably one of those little things that people don't think about. Why am I doing this? Right? If they thought about why they're drinking or why they're doing uh, drugs or why they're yelling at their spouse or why they're gambling, if they really dug into that, they couldn't come up with a good answer because those mm-hmm. things just don't make any sense to do. Right. But when you're doing something positive and good, you go, "Oh, why am I doing this?" Because you know know what the end result is going to be and that's something uplifting and I think people never ever we talk about it in business all the time that if you can't manage it or no if you can't measure it you can't manage it and that's the same in life you've got to measure all those little things that you're doing in life and is this moving me towards that goal is that moving me in the direction that I need to go into to achieve the things that's better because I think everybody like maybe that's a too broad of a term but a majority of people really if they understood it, want to do better, but they, they don't. Yes, I agree. I agree. Why is super tricky though. You ever, have you ever sat down and played the like why game that your kids play with you all the time <laughs> where you, you say, I don't want this or I want this. And you start going, well, why do I want this? And then why do I want that? It's amazing how deep you get into your own psyche and yeah. how insecure you end up being in the end of it and asking yourself if, it was worth going that deep. (laughs) And I think that's what meditation is at a lot of times is just sitting down and asking those questions and taking that thought process right to the very end. Like, you know, uh, I don't per se meditate um, like a lot of people, uh, I think the traditional way of doing it, but I do have my times when I sit down and I'm like, why am I being this way? Why am I doing this thing? Do I actually still want to have this job? Or why am I working towards a podcast? And I, I, I see results. And when I don't see results, then I go, okay, I'm not doing this anymore. Or I'm not putting any effort into this. And if it happens to change down the road, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But the, I think it's important. I, I think you're right that not a lot of people do that. And it's a scary road to go down. But it's, it's important that you do do it. Well, it's a big part of that establishing a culture to make change that we were talking about earlier. If you ask yourself, why am I drinking? And... Certainly, you could stop at the, the, that could be a very, I'm addicted to alcohol and I can't stop. Okay, right. okay, that's, that's simple. But when it comes down to, well, all my friends do this. Yeah. Well, why do all my friends do this? Well, because all their friends do this. Well, I'm one of their friends, so why aren't I making a change? Well, I don't feel like I'm a strong enough person to do that in my group. Well, why don't I feel like I'm strong? And it goes and it goes, and next right. thing you know, you have the answer. Yeah. And, but sometimes that answer is you need new friends. Yeah, it, it, it absolutely does. And there's been times in my life when I've had to create that new group uh, culture. And it's hard to, you know, when they call you up, hey, you want to go out? No, I don't. <laughs> you're, you're, you're choked at yourself. And, and uh, I have a buddy that says uh, this about me, is when I learn something that is not good for me or I shouldn't be doing, I just stop doing it because I know there's zero value in it. we got to get a studio with a quieter uh, ice maker. 
Yeah. Is that the ice maker? <laughs> That's the ice maker. Every show has some technical difficulties. I thought that was, are you sure that wasn't the tricorder? Yeah, it was a tricorder, was tricorder. just tricorder. switching. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Perfection is high. Camera two is very oh, loud today. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I love the why question. I love to play oh, that game. I love absolutely. It's it's what takes you deeper. Otherwise, you're just sitting on the surface. When my daughter does it, we go until she gets annoyed with me. Oh. Which is I don't get to play it with my kids. Uh, my oldest son, I'll start asking him why, and he'll be like, "You're making my brain hurt." Like, yeah. I don't. He's 18. Yeah. We don't do it much anymore. I yeah. think she learned her lesson. <laughs> yeah. I remember my kids doing it to me when they were younger. Oh, like, yeah. well, why are we doing this? Why? 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 And it gets to the point where you're like, just shut up and do it. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done with you asking. I, you're doing it because I told you so. That's <laughs> yes. it. End of the why. <laughs> That's a different why scenario. Yeah. But you get better. At, you get better at it with age, and you, you, you sure figure do. out how to handle it better. Um, so I know your dad a little bit, mm-hmm. and uh, I want to talk a little bit about parenting. But I know your dad is a pretty driven guy. Mm-hmm. I've I've met him. I don't know. 20, 25 times and mm-hmm. had some long conversations with him, had him mad at me. Um, so <laughs> I, I've seen kind of all, I've seen a lot of aspects. I wouldn't say all aspects of your dad, but a lot of aspects of your dad. Mm-hmm. And he's actually quite uh, a smart guy. So how much of your your parents' role um, was good with your life and or detrimental to your life? I have amazing parents. I'm yeah. super lucky. I have really, really great parents. Uh, my mom and my dad. My mom is, and I have always been super, super close. I grew up showing horses and competing quite heavily. And my mom came down the road with me and went everywhere. And uh, we, we've, she still is very, very involved with horses to this day. And that has always kept us really connected. And my dad stayed home and built his fortress so that he could pay for all of what I was doing. (laughs) (laughs) But he always gave me the pep talks um, before the show and the the mental training and all of that kind of stuff. And so um, the older I get, the more I'm proud of how I'm like my parents when it shows up. Your your dad, I remember having a conversation with him. I, I don't know which which grandchild it was, but it was a grandson that was supposed to be doing some cleanup, and he was riding around in either a golf cart or a quad and supposed to be doing something. And he came back, and it was like very very quick, and he just basically saw the dust race down the road and raced back. And you know, so even as a grandpa, he doesn't have any kind of slack in the line. Like you're gonna do what I'm paying you to do. Yeah, uh-huh. Period. Yeah. And uh, I just. I really admire people that have that um, that virtue about them that there's only one way to do it. This is the right way to do mm-hmm. it. And and some people can be mean with that, I think, but I think that's also a very loving way to treat people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, uh, I mean, you just look at what he's built and you know that he's got an incredible set of everything. Yeah. I mean, Work he, ethic. everything, yeah. vision, um, determination, perseverance, resilience. Yeah. Uh, he came from a really um, tough childhood where his, I mean, his dad never, all that my dad has built and all that he's done and his dad has never told him that was good or that he did a good job or has never praised anything. And, and I mean, my dad has built an amazing thing there and and never took anything but flack for everything. And <laughs> so... Um, Different generations, right? right? They just thought we got to make them good, and yes. this is the way to do it. Yes, I'm not sure that's necessarily my <laughs> was my grandpa's okay. motivation. I, we don't understand him, um, yeah. but it's amazing. And somehow my grandpa did that, and all of his children turned out to be quite successful. So something he did worked that was backwards <laughs> to what we go. believe is right now. Yeah. Anyways, um, so yeah, I mean, you just 
it's it's kind of amazing. And at this point in his life now, he just built his you know his dream home, and he's got all these biz- businesses, and and uh, he's not quite sure what his next project is going to be. So oh, well. we're all looking it's forward. Not, it's not going to move to Vegas. <laughs> I don't think my mom would let him. No, she can't. She doesn't want to take the horses down there. It's too hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she doesn't want to be away from us. Be away from the family. Yeah. yeah. So we have a. I mean, he's successful. His business is successful, but our family all works there, and so I think that's a level of success that I would like to keep your family close and keep us all together. And I mean, we get along great. It's not like a family business where there's, I my. My my brother in law runs the service department. I run the trailer side of things. My sister runs the, f- the furniture, and we're all there, yeah. and it's good. And my son was the one that was working there, and okay. and he spent a couple of summers <laughs> there, and and that was good too. And um, yeah, so I mean, he's successful in several. He's got partnerships. Uh, he's, he runs a trucking company out of there too, and he's had her as a partner for twenty five years. Oh wow! And uh, so he's successful in many many different ways, yeah. and he loves to tell stories. So I'm not surprised that. Every time I meet him, I, I get some kind of story, either, yes. uh, even political stories out of him, yeah. or, you know, my dad said this, or, you know, something that he, he can back up the reason that yes. he's talking every yes. single time. So uh, he comes across quite surly sometimes, <laughs> but those are my, and he's actually a customer of mine, that, so I spray foamed his house, uh, yes. or sold him the spray foam in his house, and, uh, you know, he's got high <laughs> expectations yes, of everything you do, which, yes, which is why I like him as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so from coming from a parent that's got that much business background, that much drive, um, has any of that hit any of the, you or your siblings where you're like, I want to go into the next business? Or is it really just about building the family business? So my sister is very, very much like my dad and very driven, very much. Um, she has a business, like she sees things that I'd, I'm like, what? <laughs> I don't have that same um, business mentality. Yeah. I have uh, my mom. So my dad is very mental, very intellectual, very um, that. My mom is very heart-centered. And so I think I come from the heart more so than I probably um, what serves me well when I, when I have to think <laughs> business. <laughs> uh, but uh, I'm as I've been blogging and showing up in the world, I've been figuring out my space too. And it's just different than my sister's, which I struggled with for a long time because uh, her and him were so much alike that I just felt like I was never, I was always coming up short because I couldn't figure out how to do what they did. But as I'm finding my way, it's working too. So, Well, and there's there's two sides of business, right? When you sell yourself or when you sell a product. Yes. And, and people that sell products, are they're very number-based. There's just, yes. this is the way it has to be because the product costs as much as shipping. There's, you know, warranty. And we know that we're going to have 4% warranty. And, and so you just figure out all those numbers. And yes. then when you're selling yourself, you're really trying to invoke... I'm going to argue with myself now, invoke emotion in people, make them like you, right? Mm -hmm. But it's the same thing with products. You want people to like the products as much as they like people. And that's what good marketing and good sales Mm -hmm. is. Mm -hmm. I don't know where I was going with that. I started arguing with myself and went right off track. (laughs) You should argue with yourself. Just keep going. That's That's always fun. Um, Split personality type of chat. (laughs) You talked about uh, competition. You you showed horses Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. I believe competition is one of the the best, um, I was going to say virtue, it's not a virtue, one of the best things you can do to people in their lives is is to challenge them regularly, whether that's in sports or in art or in, you know, whatever it is, that, that it's super, super important that especially children, that they're challenged regularly. So what are your thoughts on, uh, on that? 
I would have totally agreed with you until my children hated competition and I had to really? change my mind about it. Okay. Yes. I, um, I'm not a compete with other kind of person. I'm a compete with myself kind of person. Yeah. And that worked really well for me. And I was very successful showing horses and it was a great childhood and a great way to grow up. And my kids, well, my oldest son, he's a, he's a, hockey player, team player. He's great that way. My next two, no interest in competing. Like an I, I'm always like, Hey, well, we need to, <laughs> you know, we need to, but my daughter, I mean, she's competing in her own way. Anyways, she's getting, you know, she gets top marks on all her tests in school and intellectually is important as well. Yeah. And that's, th- she's competing sort of with herself, but it's a competition for her to, to do better and to be better. And, and, you know, we hit the 90s all the time and I don't even understand (laughs) and but that's her thing and it's that's good but the second you bring a judge into the mix she completely crumbles and I'm like I feel like in some respects that I am doing her disservice by not letting her work her way through that and understand that it's not the end of the world but on the other hand every time I try to bring it she she quits the activity like I can't even get keep her in like it it's she just doesn't want to do it. She does not. So she does gymnastics and she does it for fun. And she's been doing that for seven years and she's very good at it. And, uh, she competes with herself in school and I'm like, okay, I guess this is how we're going to be. Well, it's a timing thing too, right? It's not some people, like you said, will crumble under the Mm -hmm. the stress of competition and, and there's a right time when she'll go, Oh, I can do better at this and I'll beat this person out. You know, when it becomes more of a, a need than, than a want where, you know, if you're competing for a job, you you want to win that. Yes. That's the job you want. Or if you're competing, um, I would say even in relate. well, maybe not relationships. See, there I'm arguing with myself again. <laughs> I was going to say, if there's a boy that you really, really like and you're not going to let that girl just walk away with him. And and maybe that's true for some people, not for others. But um, in uh, the book Tribe, they talk about the, the purpose and, and how when there was a stronger purpose than all the bad going around. That's when people really, really excelled. And so, you know, depression levels went down and suicide went down and everyone bucked up that, that, that uh, was involved in it. And I think that's along the same lines as competition, that if you don't have some form of competition, even with yourself, that you're, you're not going to grow as a person. So you were going to... Makes a good argument, though, with the tribe there, is you're talking about where we come from with competition, and we didn't compete with anybody else to get to where we are now. Mm-hmm. Uh, team competition is kind of a weird sort of social creation that we have. Mm-hmm. Uh, in your tribe, you competed with yourself. Where you are, Can you do better than you did last week? Can you're you talking about original tribes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just if you break down, like competition between other people is kind of a weird social construct. Yeah. It's not really a part of reality for who we are as a species. And isn't it better when we all win anyways? Really? At the end of the day, when we're working for community and we're all that for me, so I compete all the way through my childhood years and I was super successful, became an adult, started competing in the adult divisions with my horse. And all of a sudden I was like, oh, this is like really hollow. This means nothing anymore. I, I was walking in. I was I was winning quite easily at that point. I didn't feel like I had to work towards anything, and I was like, "Oh, this just lost all of the fun," and I quit. Yeah. And I, well, there wasn't a purpose for you anymore, right? I, like, I yeah. I, well, at the time, I would have said, you know, the youth division was really tough, and I was competing against some really really tough kids, and I had to work really hard and strive really hard, and. I failed a lot. Yeah. And once I hit the adult division, a lot of those kids had moved away. They'd gone off to colleges, they'd whatever. And I was still here and I was competing against some of the, you know, the older ladies that are like just doing it for fun because they want to get out of the house or they want to have something to do. And, and I'm going in with this like fierce fighter 
<laughs> I'm going to destroy the right? old lady. Yeah. And then pretty soon I was like, oh, okay, I don't have to do that anymore. And I could just go in and I, you know, I, in, in the youth division, it was like every little strand of hair mattered. Well, in the adult division, I didn't even necessarily have to do my hair. Like it yeah. didn't even matter and I could still win and, and it lost it. But I think for me, a lot of it was our, this group of kids, we all grew up together competing against each other, which wasn't the healthiest of relationships necessarily, but we were our own little tribe. We went from show to show to show and we were all there and, and we were doing the thing. And, and then when you lose that, then it's like, it wasn't like we were mad when somebody else won. We were, I was always happy when anybody else won. Um, so I think there was an element of, we can't all win here. And yeah. so what are we doing? Yeah, yeah. So it was I think you probably caught this on um, Jordan Peterson's thing with Rogue. And, and I know, um, what was it? That Way a Man book, which you didn't read. <laughs> they yeah. talk about kind of the difference between... half of it. You read half of it, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, uh, wait, wait, how did Peterson bring up about... Uh, it's not necessarily about winning each individual contest that you compete in. It's about how you compete in that contest, bringing it back to... It's not whether you win or lose, it's how you play. Yeah. And what that actually means to people. And you bring that to a tribalistic aspect of if you constantly win, that's great. You're constantly winning. But where does that put you? Uh, whereas if you play well that puts you always on the team that's gonna win because you're gonna be a wanted mm -hmm. member of the best team out there right so you have to ask yourself what what's better to constantly be a winner because someday you're not going to be a winner anymore or to be someone who is going to play the game a way that other people want to play with you right and if the game is life that means you keep on going through life with we, the best opportunities we see that um a lot in mma so guys that compete at a super super high level that are team players or they're there to help everybody mm -hmm. win they're just good good people they build these amazing gyms and put out all these amazing champions uh, where you get guys that are you know self-absorbed going after what they want making their money and getting out they don't get to have gyms they don't get to grow in their age it, it's only based on what their hands can do mm -hmm. at the time that their hands can do that it's so and much that, more selfish it, it really yeah. is that, uh, um, and again, this boils back down to what Jordan is saying, where do what's good for you, that that has to be priority, but not only good for you, but, but good for your family and your community. And so if you're not building a family or building a community or helping the world, then in the end, it just ends up being a hollow dream anyways, mm -hmm. right? Beating a bunch of old ladies mm -hmm. is, is not that rewarding. Right, exactly. <laughs> where if you had a school where you had a dozen girls underneath you all learning that that would probably drive you further so that, you know, they had, they were getting the same thing that you got. Yes, absolutely. Because I think competition is important. And I think competition against others are important, but mostly against yourself yep. is important. Yep. Yeah. That's progression too, right? And the same, back to the same, as, as long as you're always getting better and working, you have something to work towards. Yeah. That keeps life. If you're at the top of the hill, where are you going to go exactly. from there, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an interesting comparison with fighting. I, I don't know how familiar you are with how... Not have, yeah. It's it's a weird structure. It's very popularity-based, even though it's an actual... Con it's not like uh, wrestling where it's set. like a, a, a scripted thing, but you'll have... Uh, it's not unusual that you'll have a, a series of fights in one night, and you'll have someone fighting for the championship who's actually making less money than a guy who's the second fight on the card, which is going to be your least... Like your lower popular card. So he's number five... He's making a million dollars. You guy who's number one or number two is fighting for the title. He's making $100,000. Hmm. And a lot of the times comes down to the guy who's making a million dollars and is number five is just more likable. He's been around. He, mm. You don't remember whether he won his last fight or not. You just remember that you like watching this guy fight. Yeah. 
You like his personality. You like how he deals with things. It's like Cowboy Cerrone. You're never Literally, not going to watch that I don't fight, remember. Right? I will watch all of his fights. I can't tell you if he won his last one or not. Yeah. Hmm. yeah just because he's such a likable person. His his persona, his character, his ethic, his all, all the virtues that make a good fighter. Mm-hmm. He just, I don't know. He's the persona yeah, like of what a great warrior you watch is. Fighter, you're, you watch fighting for the honor right. uh, that you see as entertainment. You don't watch it to see who wins. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Hmm. Which is probably one of the few sports where that actually does apply. Yes. I don't think like if you know the Oilers were number five and the Flames were number one, we'd still pay the Oilers more. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Tells you how much we watch hockey. <laughs> <laughs> I know two teams. <laughs> yeah, just happen to be in the same province as yep. you. <laughs> I have if we were in Saskatchewan, I would be screwed. <laughs> Saskatchewan doesn't have a team, do they? Well, they have a <laughs> WHL team, I think. I've even got a buddy that plays in the NHL, and I know nothing about it. Mm. But I think the reason it Sounds is... Sounds like that's his fault. It is his fault. I'm going to blame him. <laughs> Bad on culture. But you know what? Every like really, really high-end professional athlete that I've met, that's all they can talk about. Mm-hmm. This guy, his aunt died, and I was really good friends with uh, his aunt. And so when she died, I went to the funeral. He talked about hockey. Mm-hmm. Not about his aunt. I'm like, dude, can you not talk about <laughs> anything else other than hockey? I don't even watch. And uh, But he, he just he couldn't piece anything else together other than that. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's an attribute or that's what you have to be to get to that level. I think but, you have uh, to be that way. Yeah, maybe. But then what happens when you're not playing anymore? I don't know. You talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> Assuming yeah. you don't have massive brain injuries, then yeah. you kind of, Yeah. I don't know. They, that's one thing that they don't talk about. Uh, we're going to get off topic a little bit here. And if you're not comfortable with it, just let us know. Mm-hmm. But we talk about uh, brain injury all the time. We're both martial artists. We both love fighting. and uh, you, you We don't both can't remember most of it. <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, you hear it a lot with football players, but not with hockey players about CTE and brain injury. I mean... Uh, was it uh, Fleury that had like five concussions? Mm-hmm. They talked about him not being allowed to play anymore. Or should they prevent him from playing anymore? And some people are just more susceptible to concussions than oh, other sure. people. Um, uh, but yeah, you don't hear about it in the in the NHL at all. But in the NFL, all the time, like everybody's sick from head concussions. I would say the awareness is building. Not that I know. I've I've seen it in the NHL a little bit, building. But even in the rodeo world with the bull riders, yeah. um, it's even building there. And rodeo is so far behind for safety measures <laughs> and everything. But they're talking about it now, too, because of the Typosabon. I don't know if you guys know, but there was a bull rider last year who committed suicide and it ended up It's from CTE, CTE yeah. yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, my wife's got uh, two cousins that are professional bull riders. Well, one I think is still doing it. The other one maybe is retired now. But uh, you can tell. They get hit in the head yes. way too often. And get right back sure. on because they don't have the, any of the whatever, Safety. stopping them. No yes, one's nothing. Like, at least if you're a fighter, the doctor tests you and right. goes, oh, okay, your brain's... As uh, the swelling's gone down enough that you can go scrap it out tonight, yeah. and we'll check you again tomorrow. But full bullfighters don't; they'll mm-hmm. ride what three bulls a night, yeah, um, and just get crushed sometimes. Yes, and, get and, right then back they, on. and then they go get smashed, right? Mm-hmm. They go drink a dozen beers yes. and a bottle of rye, oh, so and uh, oh, I just can't well, imagine. Fighters are kind of bad for that one too. Well, some of them are for <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. I think the super high end ones aren't no, no, drinkers for sure, because they just don't have the ability. But I'm sure. Bella and uh, some of the lower ones definitely have some hardcore drinkers. Yeah, and I'm sure bull riding got to the point where you had that ultra high level where you're broadcast across the world mm-hmm. and household names. Yeah, you probably wouldn't see that so much either in that either. But yeah. definitely in guys where they've got a little more on the line, I think you, 
see some more interesting decisions being made. Mm-hmm. Well, this is the scary part about it is that they're seeing it in uh, Tour de France riders. That's so, crazy. Oh, wow. yeah. So being on a bike for, I don't know how long they ride. This days like, sometimes. Days. Okay. It's crazy. That that little bit of vibration will put enough swelling in the brain to create CTE. So we think about, you know, you drive for a living. You're a truck driver or do what I do. I do 250 kilometers a day. Is that affecting my brain? I don't think so. <laughs> Maybe you'll argue with I'm me. I'm sure you're fine. <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> fine. Yeah, I'm sure it's relative. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's scary. Yeah, no kidding. We we also talk a lot about uh, health and fitness on here, and uh, so nutrition mm-hmm. especially. Um, with the um, self-growth mm-hmm. that uh, uh, that you were working on, do you work on anything? Health, fitness, exercise, yes. nutrition? Yes, I'm, I, I I'm, I'm a bit of a nerd about it, actually. Nice. I... Um, this winter, I probably is the first winter I relaxed my uh, strict diet, and I'm regretting it actually at this moment. <laughs> <laughs> now that it's summer and I'm not wearing big bulky sweaters anymore, but yeah, I have just for fun. I were I, well, I shouldn't say just for fun. We had a gym in our backyard, like a, a fitness gym. It was called. Uh, CCSC, and we had a trainer in there working, Andre Benoit. I don't know if you know him, but he was a... Name sounds familiar. He was an Olympic athlete, and he was in the 88 Olympics in Luge, and he trains, he does strength training. And he was doing it in the gym that's in our backyard. And uh, so I loved going out and training with him as much as I could, and just strength training. And then, of course, if you're strength training, you might as well be eating well, because otherwise you're just... You don't recover. Exactly. horrible. The opposite to my logic. (laughs) 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 You just want to undo what all this hard work you're doing he works out so he can eat pizza yeah oh i've literally i've literally been punching a guy and we stop and i go you're trying to figure out how many more punches to a pizza aren't you (laughs) (laughs) so am i (laughs) we're four away yeah we're almost there yeah if if you totally pass out we can eat the whole pizza there you go (laughs) i wish that worked for me it doesn't work for me i'm just saying that's how i do it Anyway, so yes, nutrition is is um, high, and I on my list of priorities. I'm and I'm diving back into it now because I, I know I need to. I'm just I'm not feeling good, and I have no energy, and my stress levels are high again, and I know I need to be eating better. So yeah. I'm just actually working on getting myself back. So what kind of diet do you follow? I just eat clean. Yeah, yeah. So um, well, I did keto last year, and uh, my body didn't respond to it super well to keto. I didn't feel super great on it, and Andre's great because he has calipers, so he could test my body fat, and we were playing around with it, and so I was on keto, and he was testing my body fat every day to see how my system was responding to the keto diet, and uh, it kept a lot of inflammation, and it was happier if I added extra carbs, which, yeah. yay me. Yeah, so. <laughs> carbs are good. Everyone yes. wants carbs. Now, yes. Chad, have you heard of the keto diet? A little bit, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, sorry, it's an inside <laughs> joke we have. Every, everyone around Chad does keto and is constantly harassing yeah. him. Yeah, uh, we have a friend that was on the podcast, Jordana or Ricky. Uh, <laughs> we found Ooh. out her real par- her parents named her Ricky and only called it for one day and then oh, called her by her middle name. Anyways, goofy. But uh, she has uh, epilepsy, so she went on the keto diet and it worked very good for her. Was able nice. to minimize her. Um, uh, seizures and her medication and all that kind of stuff. And I so did she do it. real keto or was she doing, because it seems to me that keto has become a fad diet and people are doing just keto drinks and keto this and keto that, but was she doing real keto? She does real keto. So like it's right like, into ketosis. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, not eating the crackers and the cookies. Yep. She's eating meat and fat and, and you know, yeah, she was doing the really crazy one for a while where it was, what was it like? Uh, it was like less than 5% less carbohydrates. Less than 5%, yeah. Like, that makes me really grumpy. Yeah, like, <laughs> oh, I'm a bear. Yeah. What's it called? The, the 
not the it's almost the carnivore diet. So it's like almost just meat and vegetables. Yeah. And I think for a while she did vegetarian keto, yeah. which is just oh, like wow. I don't know. That's how you crazy. Don't, how do you not die? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure. Actually. You'd have to supplement so hard to. Yeah. yeah. Well, and she was doing like lifting for a while too, which is just. Was she doing when she was doing the vegetarian keto? Was she was lifting? I don't know. She's a. I, I think it was in that time that she was trying to figure out like extreme keto. Yeah. And then was trying to like get into bodybuilding at the same time, and it was just wow. Yeah. I've tried in the last couple of years just about everything. My wife's a holistic nutritionist, so okay. um, I'll go and give a shot. She's like, oh, this sounds really cool. Or I'll listen to something and go, oh, I'm going to try this. So I tried vegetarian for a couple months, and it was horrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was so tired, lethargic. I had, uh, uh, yeah, just no energy and felt like crap the whole time. What were you eating for protein? Um, just legumes and w- yeah, lots of lots of beans, lots of um, we were having protein shakes uh, okay. to help make up the difference. But I just it wasn't the same as yeah. eating meat. And at the time, we actually there was a local chef that was preparing all of our meals, so he was doing it for basically the same price that we get groceries for. Oh. Uh, so amazing guy, great chef, phenomenal food, um, and uh, I just I just felt awful on it. Mm. So I went, okay, I'm not doing that. Let's switch to uh, just, just clean eating. And I feel really, really good on that one. Yeah, you know, I have my six, seven cups of vegetables a day, two cups of fruit, and, you know, nine to 12 um, ounces of protein a day. I feel really, really good on that, but I don't drop weight on it. So then I was hearing about the carnivore diet and a bunch of bodybuilders are on it and, and there's, they had really, really good effects. And so I'm like, oh, I'm going to try that. So I went on. I think I was probably eating 15, 16 ounces of meat a day. Wow. And then, yeah, it was a <laughs> lot. And then um, the, the one bodybuilder, I can't remember his name right now, but he um, he was doing that. And he says, basically, if you eat fruit right at the same time as your meat or right after the meat, that doesn't have that glycemic index in your body. It doesn't get stored hmm. as fat. So I'm like, okay, well, that's what I'm going to do. I eat lots of meat, almost no vegetables, and just have you know two or three servings of fruit a day. I ballooned up. I gained like 10 pounds like instantly. I was still active, but it just the went on my body right away. So now wow. we're on um, uh, going to go back just to, to clean eating again yeah. and, and just minimize my meat, lots of vegetables. And I, and I, I don't dislike vegetables at all. They're super, super tasty. Mm-hmm. And um, depending on how, you know, all the oils and spices that you can put on for your salads. Well, the funny thing that's never noticed or never brought up about these diets is that water retention is a massive, massive aspect of weight gain and weight loss. Absolutely. Yeah. Like those massive keto losses is mostly dehydration. Yeah. Which... No one brings up. No. Which, you know, as a side effect, water weighs a lot. So yes. that's a lot of weight. And when you get when you get dehydrated, you become more toned. It's what yeah. fighters do before a fight. It's why they look just jacked and then they get in the ring and they're chubby again. Yeah. It's so, just water. That's a, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a real trick. You don't need to be walking around dehydrated, right? No, exactly. At the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, uh, my wife is going to, uh, when we get back from holidays, is going to try us out on a so, sorry, just inter- interrupt you. I was just thinking that the meat diet, I wonder if uh, it wasn't a matter that you were getting inflammation and bloating as a result, and that's why you're putting weight on with it. It could have been. I never I never tested that far, and I didn't honestly feel awesome on it. I really, really enjoy eating good grass-fed beef and you know it makes I, me think of the that that diverticular take your life what is Diverticulitis. it there you go yeah. that word <laughs> uh, well, isn't that caused by just eating meat or am i just not, not enough fiber yeah yeah, yeah they're um, that's typically from large amounts of pork i thought not just uh, not just meat but or 
beef, but I could be wrong. Mm. I, I don't know enough about it. Were you eating all organic beef and or meat or not all organic? We bought a lot at the the local local ranch guy here yeah. in town. Um, his meat is really really good. I enjoy mm. it. It's a little on expensive side, but but super super good. We try to just get better cuts. Um, we're now uh, my wife just started for Simply for Life, so they're bringing all grass fed stuff. So we're switching over to that. See how that goes. And where uh, are they getting that from? I think from the the from local ranch, ranch. yeah. Yep. Um, he, I don't know if all of his stuff is grass fed. I should know because he's actually uh, my brother in law. He's his uncle, so oh, I, sh- really? I should know more than I do. But I actually don't know. I don't he's know. a super cool guy yeah. that I'm actually going to try to get on the podcast because I went oh, out great. there on a Saturday morning, I think, to 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 meet him for the first time and to buy just you know a week's worth of groceries from them. And I ended up spending like an hour and a half out on his farm, talk to him about his chickens awesome. and how he does things. And you know, he's very much about not stressing out his animals mm-hmm. and how that will transfer onto the people. So you think about the meat you buy at Walmart. I guess Walmart doesn't give a fiddler's fart about the cows. I'm and they're under high stress. Yes. Uh, their employees are under high stress. So I'm guessing they don't care about the animals. So, you know, how big of an effect is that going to have on, on a person in a short period? Maybe nothing. On a I lifetime. disagree. I think, you know, for me, when I'm stressed and worn out, my adrenals are pumping adrenaline through my body and all sorts of hormones through my body. And that's got to be happening to the animals too, right? So yeah. then what's in, what's in the meat? Right. Right? Yeah. So. yeah well, definitely, it affects the flavor, right? Like, yeah. it's one of those things you never want to, you never want to chase a deer. You want to put it down straight away because you're not thing you need is blasting adrenaline yes, through its exactly. meat before it dies. And yeah. Yeah. that's why cows, they try and Keep put them, them down as... You know, as uh, stress free as possible. Quick, yeah, quick and stress free mm-hmm. as possible. And yeah, mm-hmm. that's uh, interesting too because I have uh, a buddy. He's an avid hunter, um, and we were camping out at his uh, acreage a couple weekends ago, two three weekends ago. And a buddy of his had given him a uh, bear ham, uh, oh. so we tried bear for the first time. How's that? It was like taking. Um, it, it just it, like you could. It was like taking a, an energy pill. Like I could feel the difference eating that meat. That it. They're literally, I don't want to say like an adrenaline rush because it wasn't that severe, but yeah. my energy level jumped significantly when I was done eating the meal. And I it wonder was, why. Uh, lots of hunters talk about this at length that, you know, if you're eating animals that are, are runners, that are, you know, active animals, yeah. that, that gives you more energy from their meat. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you eat an antelope deer compared to a cow, same amount of protein, Per, per gram, all that kind of stuff, but the antelope gives you way more energy than the, or the axis deer, sorry, than the, than the cow will, because it's an active animal, so that's just, you know, kind of you are what you eat, so if you're active, then when you eat that meat, you'll feel more energetic and active. I have never heard that theory. All I've heard about bears are, is that they eat garbage, and that their meat's no good. That's what I thought about, I knew about So bears. there's a bunch of different bears that you can eat, definitely Whatever you eat, that's what you are. So if you're eating a deer that um, is grazing in a farmer's um, corn field, 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 um, it's going to taste like a cow because that's what they feed cows. Um, And so it's not going to have that same feeling. But if you go to uh, north of Rocky Mountain House and you find a deer that's just been foraging in the woods that meat's going to taste significantly different. Well, Alaska and to some degree, uh, British Columbia, they're famous for their blueberry beers, bears, where Be- at a certain season, correct. they just eat blueberries. And they, mm. they, apparently the meat not only tastes like blueberries, but the fat's blue. Yeah. Oh, wow. It's yeah. a purpley color to it. So bears actually, uh, if you talk to a hunter and get it in the right area, they're really quite good to eat. And I, now I've had it and I can vouch for it. It was fantastic. Mm. And we had a mixed group. So we had about 
15 or 20 people, maybe 15, 16 people out there. And uh, almost everybody um, tried the bear. My son did. My daughter wouldn't. She's like, oh, they're cute. You shouldn't kill them. <laughs> <Of> um, <laughs> and uh, But my son tried it, and he absolutely loved it. But the guy that, that cooked it for us, he's like, ah, I'm not going to go bear hunting. He goes, I've tried it. Now it's not. But I literally, when I ate the bear, I'm like, I'm going to get my gun license. I need to hunt oh, bear. Really? It was that good. How much of that is a placebo, do you think? I don't know because I'm very flavor based. Like, so if I don't love something, I'm not going to eat it for the sake of eating it because it's good for me. If you told my wife that that bark is going to um, make her feel better and thinner, she'd go out there and chew on that tree regardless <laughs> what it tasted like. I, I might do that too. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not that person. If I don't enjoy my food, I'm not eating it. So, and I really, really enjoyed it. But bear. how much? Like, it's, it's a bear, right? Yeah. So how much of that is like in your head? I'm eating a bear. Oh, maybe <laughs> I've got pa- uh, to be. <laughs> I missed all those hunters for all those years, so I just automatically thought, maybe. I had a dinner one time. It was a, a plate of uh, exotic animals, and everything on there could kill you. Yeah. And I ate it, and afterwards, I was sure that I had superpowers. <laughs> like, I felt so much stronger, so much tougher, yeah. uh, and I don't think it had anything to do with the meat. Uh, maybe. Uh, you know, I listened to a lot because I've been thinking about hunting for two or three years now, so I've been listening to a lot of them trying to figure mm-hmm. out whether I can actually do this or not. I am going to set you up with uh, Adam and Mo. Okay. That is going to be the funniest. Uh, we should film that. That should be our first video podcast. Okay. We have a friend of mine, Adam. Uh, he, we think he's a uh, borderline sociopath, and he has a BFF. <laughs> I don't know him enough. <laughs> I think that uh, he has a BFF. His buddy uh, is from Iraq, and uh, he is the classic, like, came over from the Middle East, and now he's a full-blown redneck. But just eats nice. chocolate the whole time that they go <laughs> hunting. And I think you'd be the perfect third for their group. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I'm on board with that yet. Maybe I got to meet Mo first. They haven't shot each other. So well, that's good. That's, you know. Going hunting with a psychopath and... Uh, um, yeah. You met him. He's nice. Yeah. He's a nice he, psychopath. He's, he's a really nice guy. <laughs> Definitely has some issues, as we all do. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so you've never done any hunting? Wild game? No, I, uh, I, I couldn't do it. I can eat. I'm, I'm not a vegetarian. I eat meat, but I love animals, and I'm pretty sure I can't be looking one in the eye and kill it. See, I'm, I'm in that spot too. I just, I, I'm super excited to supply meat for my family, but I can do that through a job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but every time I eat deer, every you know when I ate the bear, um, it. it feels different and mm. I'm really thinking that I want to give it a go so maybe I'll get out there and I'll look in its big brown eyes and go, nah, I'm done have my guns <laughs> in and I'll, I'll be I'll be done with it all the the hunters that I listen to are very much they they're not excited about killing at all they're like this is super super hard to do that but I do it because of the way it makes me feel being able to supply for my family and being in contact with my food like Mm. they think that's super important and my wife talks about that at length too is that you know knowing where your vegetables come from Mm. they'll be more beneficial for your body than just eating the vegetables that you you don't know anything about you know like as opposed you know shopping at your the hutterite farm as opposed to walmart you go meet the guy that grew it that watered it that Mm -hmm. took care of it um, and then picked it and gave it to you, there's value in that. Yes. And maybe it's a placebo effect. I have no idea. <laughs> it's really unfortunate that we can't just pay hunters to hunt. Um, right. There's a lot of guys that love hunting, and I'm sure would hunt every day if they could have the opportunity to, and I would yeah. be more than happy to pay a premium to have hunted meat over Walmart meat. any other meat. Yeah, yeah. Walmart meat especially. Um but that's just not an option for some reason in, in how our system works. And I, uh, yeah. it's the, I know the, the conversation 
conservation side of it is super, super important. So that's what almost killed our populations was the market hunting, right? When the soldiers came back from, um, uh, I don't remember what war it is. Anyways, came back from the war. They were really, really good at shooting. Mm-hmm. So they went out and they just hunted and brought all the meat in for everybody. You know, as they're populating the U.S. and, and uh, growing, that's what they did. And they literally almost wiped out all the animals in the U.S. Right, but that doesn't come back to conservation. If you have a system in place where you're expecting to have a large call every year, there are processes processes you can put into place where you will have massive production every year yeah we don't have that and that's what our conservation is trying to accomplish is a certain level right right the problem is is once you say we're good to have a booming deer population you can't really go back from that well, and there's consequences to having a mass amount of deers around as well, right? Unless you're farming them. And if well, but if we're, f- them. if we're shooting them all and eating them, right? Yeah. As a, as a food source. But yeah, definitely for sure. There's elk farms too. Yeah. Yeah. You Which know? I'm surprised. How did they do that? Because you're... Lazy farmers or lazy hunters. Lazy. <laughs> <laughs> Walk into the pen and just shoot, bill the elk. Oh, uh, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So back to what you were saying about your, your trainer and your health. So you, sure. you didn't get right into your diet. So you're, you just, just eating clean, but you gave up on that, uh, in the beginning of the summer, right? Well, uh, I gave over the winter. I, I just, you know, I, I usually, well now I am very careful about like not, I don't drink and I don't, uh, usually have processed sugars or any kind of sugar whatsoever in my diet. And over the winter, I was really enjoying cookies a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it was sort of like Christmas came and I ate all the Christmas treats and then I never stopped. Yeah. Um, so that sort of did me in. But by last year, um, up until that point, I was, I mean, I had done, I'd fasted for three days. I was doing keto. I was, I was pretty careful about understanding what I was putting in my body and how it was affecting me. Like I was getting fairly intense in it. And then I sort of just started eating cookies, which was a bad choice. I do not recommend. <laughs> the, uh, we talk about, uh, my mom is going through health issues and her biggest health issue is, is cookies for yeah. sure, and pop yeah. and stuff like that. And, and the way we explain it to people is that you have these bacteria in your body and we have an average of seven pounds. So it's an organ. It's like the size of your brain or bigger than your heart. Um, of these bacteria that have complete control over our body. And so whatever ones you feed are going to take control. So you start eating sugar and those bacteria don't want to die. They don't want you to stop eating sugar. So they tell your brain, go get sugar, right. go get sugar, go get sugar. And I actually know this too. Oh, it's horrible, isn't it? It is. It's bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I uh, just went through a, a bout of that as well, that uh, my sister was here and my mom and my daughter wanted to make treats for everybody. So we had a house full of red velvet cookies and mm. oh, they're so good. <laughs> I don't know what, why they... Uh, I, actually, I'm going to try to cook them with Truvia and see if that, that's better for you. No? No, I don't. <laughs> I don't think so. When I focus more on food as a fuel, I can let go of the sugar thing and I get over how it's tasting in the moment and that... that but it's... I'm having... I struggled all winter with trying to get over that. Oh, this tastes so good in the moment. I don't actually care about the fuel part. Yeah. The problem with those yeah. like extreme diets like keto and fasting is you feel that you've earned the right to cheat. <laughs> And it's like, oh, it's so off the rail. I, I've done some like long fasts yeah. and then completely avoided anything I got from them. The first meal I had afterwards, you're like, I've oh, eaten see, for five days. Yeah. They yeah. keep me, they kept me, like I was super clean afterwards because I'm like, I did not go through that for oh, nothing. I can't do that. <laughs> yeah. That was good. The hard part for me after doing those extreme diets was you kind of forget how to eat normally. That's the hardest part is when, you, when you're done or when you're not in keto and, you're, and then you're like, I don't actually know how, how much fat 
how much not fat or am I, do I have is to worry it, about the is fat? Is it important right now right? to even think about this? Yes. You, you create this culture in your brain that yes. you think you have to do and then... Then I'm second guessing everything I'm eating after, which was that's ridiculous. That's almost social conditioning in a lot of times, right? Probably. Like you, you do keto and then you go back to non-keto and you go to a restaurant and you're just like, I don't want French fries. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, well, sorry, you get a side with it. Well, I don't want one. Well, you're still paying for it. It's like, well, that's not really fair. (laughs) (laughs) Can I just have like a big piece of steak and I'll be good? Yeah, like I want a hamburger. I came for hamburger, not for fries. So give me a hamburger. No bun. I was just going to say, can I have a lettuce wrapped burger, please? (laughs) (laughs) So this brings up an interesting question. What what is the value? So, you know, you stay on a, a strict diet for a long time and it becomes part of your culture, but you would lose your motivation, just like beating the old ladies. Mm-hmm. So is there some value in just letting loose and saying, piss on this, I'm eating cake for a week? So maybe, but probably not. Because then trying to, I, I always come back to, I, for me, I want to feel I good and I want like to have the energy. I as a friend because I need my cake every <laughs> once in a while. <laughs> I, I want to feel good and that yeah. stuff doesn't make me feel good. And the more I eat it, the more it compounds and then the harder it is to go back and get back to feeling good again. So this has been my, my struggle for the last couple of weeks. Actually, my own brain is almost, I'm trying, I'm trying to love myself through it and not totally beat <laughs> myself up. But I'm like, why? You know better. You know that that yeah. isn't good for you and that you don't feel good and that that makes you miserable ultimately. I like my wife's view on it better. She says, if you're going to cheat, just do it and don't feel guilty about right. it and just be excited about the food that you have in front of you. Like just, just Which I think is great. Yeah. And super healthy. Yeah. And uh, for me, I need to do that so that when I get on my next diet that I'm like, okay, in six weeks, I'm going to have a piece of cake. And so I got my goal in the end where I'm like, that's what I'm doing this for. So I can deserve that piece Rewards of cake. Rewards are important. Yeah. Yes, for sure. Mm. I don't know. <laughs> There's that science. I had one time where I was I was doing keto, and then I was like, I'm done doing keto, and it was like immediately jumped into pizzas and hamburgers. And uh, I do I I find excuses to get blood tests all the time, and I knocked myself into a pre-diabetic state that Ooh. week. <laughs> so there's there's consequences I think it's yeah. not just just a quick cheat for sure. Well, is. and I'm not I wouldn't say I'm not 100 percent strict. I'm okay with. Like I am a single mom and we are busy. So if I end up having to eat a piece of pizza here because that's all there is, or if I have to have a burger tonight because we don't have time for anything else, yeah. I do it and I don't think twice. Yeah. But, uh, but when you I don't eat, eat a whole pizza. No. <laughs> and eating cookies all winter. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got a buddy that, uh, he's not overly healthy and, uh, we talk about, well, your body gives you signals all the time, right? When you got a mm-hmm. heartburn, it's not because you're falling apart. It's probably because you're poisoning your body and, right. and you need to make changes. He's like, well, I'd eat myself right through that. You know, I started eating a piece of pizza and the heartburn burns and I'm just, I just keep eating through the pain. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, dude, <laughs> same age as me. <laughs> We're, we got limited time left on this planet. Yes. At best, I'm going to double my age. At very, very best. Make right. it to 90. And, and do you uh, want to feel crappy and have heartburn for all those years? Well, that's the problem, right? Is that, yeah, I can enjoy the pizza now, which I really, really enjoy. And I love cake and cookies and potato chips and, and all the good stuff. But my my little end goal, and we've talked about this, is to be a healthy active grandfather mm. that's my goal mm-hmm. uh, you know as a dad that's part of it as well but i have to do it now that when i'm 65 years old i don't want to be laid up in a bed for 18 hours a day and only get up and walk mm-hmm. around a little bit eat and go back to sleep that's a sucky way to live yeah, it really is. and so the only way to get to the the healthy active grandfather part is to be that guy now mm-hmm. and so yeah well, extremes require extremes to balance right right true. if you're gonna eat garbage you better like 
go out. Like, if I'm not kickboxing or riding a whole day, I'm not eating a pizza. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm still going to eat a pizza, which means I better go out and train. <laughs> That's right. So <laughs> I guess it depends on your look at it. Like, without a doubt, it'd be way smarter just to eat, like, a whole food, keto diet yeah. and go train. But, yeah, you know, if one is required, then the other one needs to be required, too. I wonder how much of that is, like, a, a male-female thing. Because I think men overall are very goal or reward-orientated. Yes. And so if we don't have an end goal, like pizza or cake or potato chips i'm not damn doing it (laughs) (laughs) there's there's got to be gold at the end of the rainbow or i'm not even making the walk funny yeah (laughs) i think interesting yeah i wonder we we, i have a couple friends that are well we've invited jordan peterson and i i'm being positive that we're going to get him on here. That'll be the weekend. He's our friend. We're just waiting for him to reciprocate. That's right. That's where <laughs> it is. Yeah. Uh, my wife thinks I'm a little bit psycho for going after celebrities, but she's like, you got Robin Black. You might get Jordan Peterson too. Absolutely. Um, but the, uh, where's I going with that? Oh, uh, we have I another guy. I think you're slowly implying that I'm a woman from what it sounds <laughs> like, but, but let's see where this goes. <laughs> the, uh, the psychologist side, I've got like a million questions if we get Jordan Peterson here and why I think the way I do. Like explain it to me so that I can make those changes, right? Because there's got to be something that's uh, uh, a male thing or a female thing or an adult thing or a cultural thing that I'm not understanding that makes me think certain ways. And then I have another friend that I met uh, last winter. He's a psychologist as well. He runs a program called Campraxis uh, where they support um, uh, first responders and and military with... uh, PTSD or CTE mm. or uh, TBI. And so I, I'm, we know we can get him. I know where he lives. We'll, we'll just go get him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where Jordan lives yet. You're going to do your, our, our, the surprise podcast like we were going to do with Steven Tyler? That's right. My uh, <laughs> That's a funny story. My sister has a boyfriend that owns Carnival Games. Uh, so he's down Stampede right now. I'm trying to remember the band that he's really, really good friends with. They're playing at the Stampede. Let's make one up. Okay. Um, Blink. 182. Yeah, yeah. It was Blink-182. So there's and UFOs. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so anyways, this band says, oh, we're going to be playing Stampede, but we're all going down to see Steven Tyler on Wednesday. you got to come. So my sister's boyfriend says, yeah, I'm going to take my sister down. They're going to meet Steven Tyler and all that, which none of it ended up happening. But uh, Mark said that, well, why don't you go with your sister and we'll, you can just, you know, kind of... Um, we'll mic you nonchalantly say <laughs> hey would you like to do a podcast sometime to Stephen Tyler and if he says yes just go click and <laughs> turn it on and off you go I got permission and then we just put it on the air and then we actually did a podcast how did you Steven like your Tyler. burger tonight <laughs> sweet well it was nice talking to you and then we uploaded we got a, t- we got a podcast right. with Stephen Tyler from Aerosmith <laughs> yeah tag him in the social media and now yeah. we're super super famous nice. <laughs> uh, maybe that's a guy thing too just being super innovative and getting what we want maybe <laughs> just making ourselves laugh and no one else <laughs> yeah Oh, here's that dead spot. That dead spot. Oh, jeez, Chad. We get in trouble uh, for this. Yeah, we time. can't do this. So, so go ahead. Uh, I don't know. Was, no, you I got nothing. nothing. I was hoping you'd fight with yourself some more here. All right. I have a bunch of list of things that I wanted to talk to you about. And so one of the things you kind of touched on was uh, writing blogs. <laughs> and so what's the importance of, I want to say it's a competition or a challenge that you do something every single day that you, that you wouldn't normally do. What, what's the benefits of that? Uh, for me, I know the way that I operate and I 
I'm like, I'm a single mom and I'm busy. There's lots going on in our lives. And if I don't set a time and say, okay, I'm just doing this every day and this is the way that it is, then it'll be like, oh, I'll get to it tomorrow. Okay, I'll get to it. Oh, I haven't done the blog yet. Oh, I'm really meant to do the blog. And so for me, the promise that I made coming into it was, I'm going to blog every day. And the promise was not, I'm going to be amazing or I'm going to write something really profound or I'm going to um, have an amazing blog every day. It was just, I'm going to show up and people can count on me to show up and that's it. And and sometimes I'll say something that helps someone or sometimes I might even say something intelligent and that's that's a bonus. Yeah. But the, the whole point is just that I show up every day. And so that in itself, the discipline of that has... Um, the whole thing has been life-changing for me, honestly. Um, it, th- being able to express myself. Uh, my divorce was really, really tough. And um, I don't think any divorce is easy. I think all of them are tough. And I had sort of started hiding completely from the world and kind of had myself sheltered in safe places and safe spaces. And this was like me speaking up saying, hey, I'm showing up for life again. And that was huge. And the discipline of doing it every day. And then also knowing every day at the end of the day when I don't know what else I've done, I have shown up in a space for myself every day and done something. And so it's something that I I wanted to build and and I'd love to be able to do online classes eventually. And um, so at least this is me showing up and saying, this is what I'm learning, this is how I exist and people can find me if they want to. And so every day I at least have that. And so that's been huge. Um, The other huge thing about writing is that it makes you take your thoughts full circle. So I love to think, like I, I love to just sit and think about things and think, ask, ask the why questions or, or try to figure things out and analyze, oh, I'm so analytical. But when I started writing, I had to actually come full circle with my thoughts. I had to finish the, what I started and um, that changed, I'm sure it changed all of the neural pathways in my brain mm-hmm. because I had to actually understand it and figure out why I was thinking what I was thinking almost in order to come full circle and end the blog. And then it also, um, has me stretching every day because I know tomorrow I have to write something. Mm. So, oh, and the other really positive thing was I'm not a person who, um, like I'm, I'm, I'm not going to write something depressing. I'm not going to go on there and rant about something. I am not going to, um, air all my dirty laundry. So when I'm in, I mean, life is up and down all the time, right? So when I'm in a down spot, I still have to find something positive Positive and, and really get in that space to be able to write about it. And so that has kept me living life at a higher level because I can't fall in the ditch anymore. I can't, because then I can't write. Yeah. So the, I, it just goes on and on the list of benefits. It's almost like an emotional, emotional weightlifting. Absolutely. Yeah. You're yeah. Not, not, not doing a physical act for the goal of accomplishing. You're just, you're lifting weights because it makes you stronger. Yes, yeah. exactly. Without, yeah. Yeah. One of the not things. Not to mention procrastination is like <laughs> incredibly <laughs> diseased and toxic. Right. Absolutely. Exactly. And I think setting yourself up to situations are completely, like there's no point aside from not procrastinating to do them. I think that alone yes. has amazing value. Huge. Jordan Peterson talks about um, the the benefits. So depending on where you are in your life, certain things are more challenging. So for you, writing a blog was probably pretty challenging, Mm -hmm. especially to do it every day and to be positive. You set all these rules Mm -hmm. on yourself. For some people, it's about just making your bed. 
like one little positive step right. towards being a better person or doing things better than you did the day before. And that that's kind of the reason why I wanted to ask because I don't think people understand that just pick one little thing that will make your uh, day better, that, uh, that something you can start and accomplish every single day, no matter how small it is, right? And I think accountability there for me is huge. I mean, I'm the only one sleeping in my bed, so nobody knows if I don't make it. But if I don't show up for my blog, like this morning, I wrote it late and I got four texts. <laughs> Seriously. Are you okay? Are yes, you alive? Totally. Yeah. And so the accountability and having people waiting for you, that's another huge thing to, to maintaining the discipline. For me, that's a huge, huge factor. So what happens when it becomes easy? Writing the blog? Yeah. Um, then I think I have to do something that scares myself or write about something that scares myself. Okay. And then pretty soon. Make it, make it hard. Yes. Yeah. 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 Put a put new rules on it. Maybe yep. it's got to be longer. Maybe it's got to be on a specific topic or something like that. Yeah, I would like to actually. Right now, I um, I mean, I, I have my general set of rules. Like it can't be a rant and it can't be negative and it can't be those things. But eventually, I would like to have it have a pretty solid direction and a very specific purpose. And I haven't figured out what what that'll be yet. Yeah. So, like, would it be all about relationship building? Will it be all about? I don't know. Like sometimes I throw in you know, business stuff or, or, or a marketing thing I've learned or this, but I'm, I'm not completely funneled and specific in my direction. So I think yeah. that that's the challenge that I need to work towards actually. Yeah. yeah. That's kind of cool. Cause it opens up other options, right? Yeah. Like, you know, how the topic of you could do this whole segment on how to build a curriculum. Yeah. Cur- curriculum. I can't talk today. <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> End of a long day. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the um, I, I was impressed because not many people stick to what they're going to do. And so when you see somebody that, that actually puts the effort forward, um, and to me, I think the morning is the most important part mm-hmm. of all that to start your day with an accomplishment mm-hmm. um, that, that most people don't. You know, uh, I worked in, well, I still work in construction, but for years, all the guys I worked with, they get up in the morning, drag their butt to the truck, drive to the store to get a coffee, and then they would buy the crap in the store for their lunch. Mm-hmm. And just getting up and, and making a sandwich, you, you can make the same crap that they make in the stores, but just making it myself made a world of difference mm-hmm. where now if I sleep in or, um, you know, my morning changes, I get a phone call. Oh, you gotta leave right now. I'm like, Nope, I gotta do this because that's the one accomplishment that I said I was going to do every single day. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it matters how small it is. Um, you know, you, you got a, a daughter that you gotta get ready every morning and there's, there's things that you have to accomplish each morning. I right? try not to hit anybody before she gets to school. <laughs> <laughs> right? Don't so, we all? Yeah. <laughs> well, my, uh, I can show you my police record. I've been successful so far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a challenge. Uh, so we're... That's an interesting point, though. Like, we're taking care of your kids. Is that really a challenge, though? I think it is. I think just because some people aren't willing to do it, it seems like it's a challenge to do it. But I think for a lot of people, it's a responsibility. So I don't feel I have a choice in doing that. And I think that's probably how a lot of people feel, even though there's a lot of people that do feel they have a choice in that. Well, lots of people take that choice too, right? Is they they don't take care of their kids uh, well at all. Um, So yeah, I I think it is important that, you know, when you get up, like, like I keep going to Peterson today, but he says, do what's right for you, but also for your family, that that decision in the morning to give them $5 or to make their lunch um, is a huge, huge decision that, that, that it's important that you make the right one every single day. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But once again, though, is that a decision if it's something that you feel you need to do? Yeah, I don't know how to answer that. Yeah, I'm not sure either. It's a good question. 
I know there's a huge difference between me making the choice to write the blog for myself and me getting my kids up and ready for school. That's for sure. two totally yeah. different two so, totally different animals. So how much of writing the blog is for you and how much of it is it for the people that are reading? That is such a good question because I waffle back and forth on that one all the time. So when I first started doing it, it was purely selfish. Yeah. And then I wanted to do it for everybody else. But then I became a little bit almost preacherish when I was trying to do it for everybody else because it was coming from a different... You need to and you got to start and you talk yes, about that kind of... Yes, and I hate that. It was not <laughs> nice. It wasn't a good space to be in. So then I actually was listening to Seth Godin and uh, he was talking about... I can never remember who it was, but he had um, somebody writing in his in his attic writing a really famous movie. And I wish I could tell you who it was because that's impressive when I tell you who it is, but I can never remember. <laughs> Anyways, um, but he wasn't writing it for the money. He wasn't writing it for anybody else. He was just writing it for his own creative expression and his own creative outlet. And of course, now it's a famous movie that you would know if I, if I could remember. And that was pretty amazing. And that for me, light bulbs went off because I'm like, first you do it for you. Yeah. And then when you're doing something for you that is coming from the right space and that creative space where it's, that's where the magic lies and that's what other people connect to. And so that's when I changed my writing to, okay, this is me sharing my journey in life and what I'm learning in my space, but I share it in a way that um, I'm including everybody else in what I've learned. Yeah. If that makes sense. So, so I do it for me first, but I'm also now doing it for everybody else. There was also, my son moved in with my ex-husband, um, for when he was 14 and our relationship became very strained. And part of me writing thought, if something happens to me and I don't get this time with him, he's not going to know, he's only going to know me through his dad's eyes and his dad doesn't like me very much right now. And so I thought at least this is leaving a path or a trail of, these are the things I would have loved to have taught him if I'd had the time. That's an interesting perspective that, uh, you know, you can get that through diaries or podcasts. It, It wasn't well on my mind, but now I think about it as we're doing this is that it's important that, we're leaving a good legacy. Right, exactly. Yeah. And so it I, I wouldn't say I'm writing for him anymore necessarily, but that is something that definitely um, stays there. And I mean, him and I have a, a much better relationship. We're going to Nashville together in November, nice. and I'm excited about that. That'll be the first time we've got to spend time one-on-one together. Just a vacation years. or as a purpose? He graduated this year, and so mm. I'm just taking him as a grad present. Very cool. Yeah, and so uh, we're okay, but that doesn't mean I'm going to stop writing. It's still there because there's still all these years that I haven't had with him. Yeah, yeah. I take my parenting very, very seriously. As a matter of fact, I'm single still, and uh, the thought of having another person come into my life and maybe try and discipline my children and doing it differently, I, I, I struggle. It's scary. I, a friend of ours just told me last night that he's officially broken up with his wife, and I'm like, and maybe he's doing this, so I wouldn't say it, but the, the thought process in, when it comes to relationship with me and my wife is that I don't want someone else to put my kid to bed. Ever Mm -hmm. And so work as hard as you can to make that relationship as good as you possibly can. And not, that doesn't always work. It Mm -hmm. it has to be both people doing it. If Mm -hmm. uh, one person's not and uh, the other one is, it's not going to work. But that's always on my mind when I'm making decisions. Like, you have to do this well. (laughs) And it's not that I feel like I'm going to be punished, but that's, uh, you know, it's just 
the old saying is, you know, marriage is 50-50, and it's not. It's 100%. 100% yes, absolutely right? it is. Sometimes yes. I have to put 120% in because she's only got 80 that day yep. and, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. But uh, you have to put that effort forward every single day because yes. I don't want anyone else putting my daughter to bed. No, right? <laughs> it's all about the kids. Yeah. It's interesting it's where funny. we draw our lines about uh, tradition and our assumptions on how things will be. Uh, like I've found that lately if you're parenting and you're single and you, you have a relationship with somebody else, you you can form that however you want. And most people want to have that. This is my kid. This is how I'm raising it. This is my kid. This is how I'm raising it. We're a family together, but that's not your kid. That's my kid. Yeah. And we're all a family. But in the same way that I don't tell your partner what to do, you're not telling my kid what to do. And that's a perfectly fine family to have just as much as is completely integrate as a traditional family would be. Um, so it's kind of funny how there's like, you know, when it comes to our diet, when it comes to our social, it comes to our activities, our perspectives, we're very willing to change our perspective on that. But in the case of family, we tend to fall back into what we think is traditional. And whether that's a matter of what's expected of us or what we just expect of ourselves yeah. um, is something that we don't always stop to consider. Well, I think, too, that what I was thinking about that whole time you were talking is that there's no rules for relationships, right? That right. you you could get married and just tell that person that you, you don't get to talk to my kids. That, like, th- this is the rule. If there's something wrong, you come talk to me and I'll talk to them, mm-hmm. which may or may not put strain on a relationship. I uh, When I was younger, I, I, I dated single moms, and, and uh, I'm like, I'm not going to talk to them. Like, I'm not going to discipline. I talked to them. I hung right. out with the kids and whatever, but I didn't want to be that guy that came in and like, stop doing that and you got to eat your beans and I had no desire to do that to somebody else's kid but I do it to my kid all the time (laughs) (laughs) right and uh so you we talk about this too Mark's a a single dad as well he's raising a daughter and um I like I do not envy that in my life like it's it's hard enough to date when you're young and then to find a relationship when you're older is is difficult as well I know I'm going to put a bummer on it's you guys. So awesome. Your guys' life sucks. No. You can't do anything anymore. Um, but that's, that's it's okay because we know though, the truth. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like when you get to raise your kid 100% the way that you want to, oh, I don't, that's the best. Yeah, you don't yeah. have to like agree on like what's a good bedtime right. or yeah. whether they should swear or not. It's, I don't know. Should, should you swear or not? Let me figure this out and I'll let you know. And that's the end. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, you definitely have that. that. That's a perfect example because most things, me and my wife get along really well. And if I say it, she just follows along. If she says it, I follow along. And then when it comes to something like swearing, she's like, they can't swear. Why can't they swear? It's just a word. What's the difference between fucking fudge? There, there really is not a big difference in those words other than how you perceive what they mean and uh, or how people perceive you when you say it. And so if my kids want to swear, well, it's all good. I don't have a problem with it at all. I'm not going to ground them or take something away because they swore, uh, where my wife, I think she might beat them to death. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a third factor of that, of how they perceive the difference between the two of you. Because you've got dad, you've got mom, and then you've got their perspective, their perceptive of the right. two of you. I'm the cool parent because I allow them to swear, and my <laughs> wife is a tyrant. Well, if they're mad at their mom... Yeah. And they know they can get away with swearing because that's what dad says. Yeah. Then that's a that's a reason you gotta think about. Yeah. Whereas in my household, it's you can swear if you want. Just be aware people are gonna judge you based on that. Yeah. Yeah. So you're not gonna piss me off either way. Yeah. And and we've had that discussion too where there's there's a respect level, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I don't swear in a certain company because they just don't appreciate it or they don't they 
they don't understand it, don't think it's funny, they or they're very, very opposed to it. Well, I'm not there to, to create uh, waves. But in other company, I'm fine just... You are well, there to create waves. I am there to create waves. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So yeah, it's uh, I'm not I'm not crapping on being single, but it it makes me work hard. I think at, you're jealous. <laughs> makes me work hard at my relationship to make sure that I'm not in that position. But I also have a wife that works hard at it too, so we don't we don't have that issue. That's a beautiful thing. It it is, yeah. and, and and as much as being single was fun and all that, I'm not pooping on it <laughs> at mm-hmm. all. But I prefer having a wife. I actually said if my wife was to suddenly die, I just order another one. I'd phone <laughs> Russia or China. I said, Hey, do you have one that's like five foot nine and <laughs> likes to do this? Please send her over because <laughs> that would be much easier than me having to date again i don't uh, no, dating's do not that much fun actually no. not that i am yeah. but i remember from my teenage years yep. yeah i just that that to me i don't think meeting new people that's not an issue because i think you you technically date as a married couple like to find mm-hmm. another couple that we can hang out or a person that likes both of us or that we like that both of us like that person that's there's a challenge in that as well i often thought there should have been a dating site for after you're married because when you first get married it's like everybody bails on you your single friends don't yes, want to hang out so with true. you anymore yes and i'm like young. i need new friends i need friends that are married and like to do the same thing as me and my wife yeah. so we need a dating service for that maybe that's my next business oh, ventures i'm gonna create a dating service for married people so Ooh. why why do you like being married um, there's a, there's a comfort in knowing that I don't have to be a hundred percent on all the time. So like I was saying that it's a hundred, hundred, but there's days that I'm at 75 or 80 and my wife steps up and there's a, there's a relief that, that I don't have to be the everything all the time. So, you know, I have a bad day. I come home, I lose my crap and my wife will look at me just like, I'll handle this. And then I can leave the room and gather myself up. Where if it wasn't for my wife and I lose my crap, my kids are just taking all that crap. Um, where they they don't have to now and, and vice versa. You know, me and my wife are both okay. We, we have our sign language that she's like, stop talking like that. Right, and I can walk away, and I know she's going to handle that situation in a better way than I'm able to at that point. So that's a that's a huge huge benefit. Um, trying to refigure out another person I want to spend my life with, that just seems so overwhelming. That's that's Mount Everest for me. Um, you know, I dated and I didn't meet my wife until I was. 30. So I dated for a long time prior to meeting her. And there was lots of girls where I thought maybe, but they had no desire to, to be with me. And there was lots of girls that said, Oh, I want to marry that guy. And I'm like, not going to happen. You're squirrely. And, uh, I just don't want to go down that path again and, and finding the person that, that I can do life with, um, without it being miserable is, is it's, I don't know. It's it's rewarding. I, I feel like I've won the gold. That that it's there in my hands. So yeah, I just uh, you know I said I I'm sort of joking when I said order a new wife because <laughs> I got the I think I've got the the part of marriage figured out that that makes sense. Like how much give you have to give and how much you have to take to 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 make it work. That I probably could do it again. I just don't want to do the dating part again. <laughs> got it. Yeah. I'm at a point where I'm like, I don't get it. Like, I loved being married. Don't get me wrong. I loved being the idea of marriage. I loved being married. I loved having my family. But now that I get to do life sort of on my terms all the time, I'm like, I don't actually know why we all get married. 
That's that's where Mark's at too. Yeah. He, and and I, I I would never poo poo on what anyone's doing because you know it's like saying you have to be keto. Well, maybe that will kill them. We're not but all I, the same on a, a relationship level. I think is what it comes down to. Yeah. And it's we just have the assumption that even though we're not all the same, we should all do the same thing. Yeah. And I love being a chaos bomb. Yeah. Like I, I it's great when I go to bed and I have no idea what tomorrow is going to be. Yeah. Like I've, I'm fortunate I have a, a job that works like that where I could wake up and get a phone call and be like, yeah, you got to go to Saskatchewan now. Yeah. Go. And then I get home and hop on my mountain bike and ride around until it's dark and then whatever, go to someone's house and punch them with boxing gloves on for the rest of the night. Like that, I don't know. I Maybe mean, that's my day. Maybe yeah. that's not. I love that. And I can understand how some people that would drive them absolutely insane. Yeah. Maybe there's some security or insecurity in it as well, having to be in a relationship where um, when you don't have to be in one, there's, you're, you're more secure. That's actually when I, when I found my wife was, uh, you know, dating when you're in your late 20s and early 30s is not a pleasant time to date. You've been on dates, maybe not real recently, but not too <laughs> far in the past. Um, and, and you told me how horrible they were. That's what I remember. Well, okay. Dating. You remember that they were horrible. Yeah. I remember that they were awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, it's all about that was That was the original uh, podcast topic. We're going to be my, my dates. Yeah. We were just going to record his dates and how they went. <laughs> like, they'll put a picture from 10 years ago, and they'll show up, and they'll be 40 pounds overweight and <laughs> yeah. blithering alcoholics. Nice. And they're all about, like, I like Un- Unrecognizable and I can... would be the big one. Yeah. yeah. That's actually happened to you? Oh, yeah, like to the point. I, we, not long yeah. ago. Not long ago at all. <laughs> and not just once. And like what did you say? Numerous times. Uh, what? I'm trying to remember what you said to that one girl, but because you actually called her out on like how old was the picture or something like that. Oh, did I? Yeah. <laughs> it, it, they sat down and she had four drinks and like. Oh, that one. That yeah, one. that was bad. Yeah, yeah. she had. Uh, it was eight, like four eight, double rums. Yeah, four and, doubles. So eight drinks in a period of an hour said she was on massive amounts of pain pills. Um, the first time I've ever had a date buy my pay for the tab because she was like, you had like a pop. I can't ask you to pay for my... Well, that was decent. Yeah, was $80 like, that was worth nice of booze. Yeah. Oh, and the emotional support chihuahua. That was another oh, good one. Yeah. That has to be a red flag. When you show up and say, I got an emotional Which support <laughs> dog. I'm like, mm. Which part was the red flag? Just just the dog or well, the well, binge drinking a bunch on of red medication? Flags on that one. I probably shouldn't talk about this, but... Uh, it, I, I do sales for a living. So I went to this lady's house and she had taken a detached garage on her acreage and she was turning it into a cat hotel. Ding, ding, ding. Red flag going up right away. <laughs> she had chandeliers planned and all this wow. kind of stuff. And uh, Somebody has to love the cats. I <laughs> praised her and like, that's so awesome. Yeah. I can't Just because you're absolutely batshit crazy doesn't mean you're not a nice person. So let's not <laughs> ignore was that. not a nice person. Well, there's that option too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so it's a spectrum. 10 years of doing my job, almost 10 years of doing my job, never had a complaint, never once. And she phoned and berated my office on how horrible of a person I was Uh-oh. and I'm like oh that's that's no one believed her they they, they know the truth when you go 10 years without a complaint and then one <laughs> they're like, well, there might be something with a person complaining <laughs> so anyways I'm still not okay with someone complaining I'm gonna call her and I'm gonna try to uh, rectify this and maybe there's a misunderstanding that I didn't get and so I give her a phone call and literally she called me names for 20 minutes and I listened I was on the phone <laughs> and I was like you're a loser and you're fat and like she just wow. literally 
screamed at me for 20 minutes. And I'm like, oh, I'm really sorry. There's a misunderstanding. Maybe you, and I just, I kept trying to rectify it to the point where I'm like, yeah, I'm done. And then she emailed my office again and said, <laughs> you should fire him immediately. And uh, the red flag for me in that situation should have been cat hotel. And went, oh, she we're needs, not going to work together. <laughs> she needs to spend her time with cats, not people, clearly. Yeah. And then her, uh, I won't call out their names, but her husband was a sergeant in CPS. And so the Calgary Police mm-hmm. Services. And uh, she actually CC'd him on all the emails bashing me and our company and wow. everything else. And I have a friend that's a sergeant in the CPS. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to find out how crazy this lady really is. Because she threatened to put bad reviews up, which can be you know, thousands and thousands of dollars out of the company. So yeah. I need to not have this happen. Yeah. And so anyways, I called him and he, he didn't know the other sergeant. Not so too bad. Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't helpful. But I had about six or seven good reviews in my back pocket. I phoned up a bunch of my customers who really liked me. I'm like, um, if I call you for a review, could you put one up on like kind of the, the spur of the moment? I'm like, oh, yeah, whatever you want, we'll do. I'm like, okay. Nice. I just left those <laughs> in my back pocket. So we could bury her down the Google <laughs> list pretty quickly. Something tells me that her husband's probably really appreciating the thought of the single life, though. <laughs> no doubt. Oh, I totally <laughs> thought that. As she's yelling at me on the phone, I'm like, I wonder who else she does this to because I don't well, deserve this. Yeah. So her kids, her husband, everybody. Well, you consider what, like, someone who's a sergeant in, a, like, a million-plus-person city yeah. has to deal with on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. And they're getting, like, emails about their wife calling some guy fat that came in to put insulation, like... Yeah. That's just not what you need to be dealing with. Seriously? Yeah. How does, uh, I was going to say, how does he not shoot her? But that's really mean. <laughs> <laughs> I seriously thought about it. I didn't do it. You know, we can't edit this, right? Yeah, I know. I'm <laughs> stopping it as soon as I can. <laughs> I need to have my phone here. It's my emotional support chihuahua. Yeah. You're just going <laughs> to smash it on the... Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, we're two hours in. That was uh, that went very, very quick. It did go fast. Yeah. yeah. So... Um, you want to call her a day? Yeah, we should call Let's her a day. Her day. I think it was a good run. I think that was an awesome conversation. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks uh, for having we'll me. We'll have you back in the future again. Um, what is uh, your social media, your blog? How do people find you? So my blog is starpasser.com. And we actually never got into the name of that. I'm going to tell you a quick story about that. Sure, yeah, yeah. So... I told you that I competed riding horses yeah. and through all my teenage years, I had a really cool horse and his, his registered name was Mr. Starpasser cool. and we called him Dex. But when I was trying to figure out, he, he passed away March 8th, uh, two years ago now. And when I was trying to figure out a name for my blog, I thought, Oh, he's always been my partner. I don't really want to do this without him. So two months after he died, I started my blog and called it starpasser.com. Nice. And so it just means something. It's not just a random word. And so yeah, I, yeah. I always I like to show that I was actually curious when I yeah. saw it and on where you would get that from. Yeah. I just thought it was like traveling, you know, we're on a big rock flying through space past stars. Yes, lots of people think that. (laughs) But no, it's him. It's Dex. He does it with me. So uh, my blog is starpasser.com and my face, I I upload all of my blogs to a Facebook page, which is Starpasser blog on Facebook. That's where I get it. That's where you get it. Yeah. Awesome. I, I actually thought you were a priest when Chad told me initially. A priest? Star pastor, yeah. Oh, oh star pastor. pastor. I've had a few people <laughs> actually think that. It's the Invisalign. I can't speak yeah. properly. <laughs> well, I'm thank not you. A thank you again for joining us. Yes, uh, we'll you. have you back again in the future. That'd be great. And this is I Want to Know with Chad and Mark. And now we know. Now we know. Yeah, we do. There you go. You can stop it now. <laughs>